Mm-mm, fellas, spring has sprung, and have you started your spring cleaning yet? Those carpets probably need cleaning. Those drapes definitely need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Look, the smell of fresh flowers is in the air, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle 5 in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code WELLSHAVED. Welcome to the Well Played DLC Podcast, Australia's juiciest and smoothest gaming podcast. I'm Zach Jackson, joined by Adam Ryan. Hello. Nathan Hennessy. Good to have you with us. And Jordan Garcia. Oh, hello there. Hello there. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I'm just uh, disappointed Adam didn't pick up on the Star, Star Trek reference there. Oh, for fuck's sake, I was going to jump <laughs> in. But then I, I knew that it was just going to inevitably end to you calling it Star Trek. So I thought I was going to dodge a bullet. Clearly I haven't, General Kenobi, you motherfucker. <laughs> Come on, how often do you ever dodge a bullet with me? Nah, never. Literally never. No good. All right, Jordan, it's been a while. How's uh, things? How's the sock? Uh, the sock is great, mate. It's really protected me from all the rain that's happening down here, or up here in New South Wales for you guys. This sock, what are you talking about? Did you, um, did you wear that sock today? Uh, no, because it would smell disgusting. <laughs> and I wouldn't put my mic through that either. <laughs> uh, soft, soft. Nathan, how are you? Yeah, I feel like I've accomplished some really tremendous things in the last week. Namely, something we'll talk about in a moment, but, uh, yeah, I feel like I've come through the grinder. I'm a new man on the other end. You're on grinder? All right. I mean, I'll be... Yeah. <laughs> I go away for a week and everyone's a changed person. Adam, still the same? Yeah, mate, I'm still the same. I yeah, um, so. I have not reached the, the zenith that Nathan has, unfortunately. But that's okay. I hope to one day reach that. He's we'll on his there. path to enlightenment. You're damn right. So I wasn't here last week. I was too busy enjoying the big, mighty blue baggers get a another win on the clock. I can uh, how good how good is football, boys? Can I get a hell yeah? You I love it when cold, okay. the, oh! <laughs> I, I love it when they kick the thing, kick the kick the balls around through the. Big I prefer sticks. when they mark the goals. Is that right? Am I doing it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I. And like. You tackle the points and. Yeah. Kiss the umpires. Yeah. yeah, I like those too. So. And then you comment on the players behind. I lost my virginity oh. to a good specky. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, fo- football's back. I'm loving it. Nathan's brings up old times for him. Oh yeah. Uh, the other good thing, actually speaking of Nathan, I've got to call you out because this <laughs> is some fucked up shit. What's going on right now here? Is he calling you out for your, your losing your virginity to a specky? Is that so, just let's like put a doll on the table. Around? I'm Tasmanian, as you know. Oh, I'm formally, oh I know what he's calling you out. <laughs> formally, formally Tasmanian. This I, is going to be no, some no, 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 no. bullshit. 
Nah, can, straight up. There's say, no formally. But before you go on, can I just point out, that was the very first time I've thrown up editing the podcast. <laughs> Zach, and you I... can take a man out of Tasmania, but you can't take Tasmania out of the man. Don't Ooh. you say formally Tasmanian. That's That shit sticks. Fuck. Damn it. Um, and I love He's got pie. a teardrop National tattooed pies. under his eye in the shape of Tasmania. <laughs> National pies are my favourite pies. Like, you know, uh, Here we go. But, you know, basic pies that you buy. Of course, there's the good shit. Like Nathan, oh, no, sorry, uh, like Adam was explaining, the, the King Island beef pie sounds incredible. Fantastic pie. You brought up some very awful memories mentioning <laughs> that curried You got salmon pie. <laughs> that pie is fucked. It's foul. How can, and I love scallops. I fucking love what them. I would eat them. What are you talking about? But a curried scallop, I can't even say it. Curried scallop pie <laughs> is like fucking. I wouldn't even feed it to a dog I hated. Like, like well, it's good to know where I stand with you, mate. Yeah, you're now a dog like, that he hates. No, not even that. He's not even that. below that. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's definitely not a cat person. That was fucked. I actually forgot that, that they were even a thing. That's how dog shit they are. Because like no one else anywhere in the world eats that. Are they a Tasmanian thing? Yes. They must be. Very no, much just so. a you thing. Shout um, outs, Tinny's Pies. Long live. And, oh. yeah. Tell you what, it's <laughs> one I say, oak, if I, if I saw one one oak drink I don't want. Salad, if I saw one that came with a salad, I'd just get the salad. <laughs> you saying a scallop pie oak is the fucking most rancid thing <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I don't like yeah. the sound of that. But, I mean, come on. It's innocuous. Like, uh... Some of my nah. favourite curries have seafood in them, and you so know, then, then you're just whacking the crust around them. That is not the same thing, and you know it. <laughs> what do you mean? Jesus. A, nah. A nice flaky is, crust. You're an firm, absolute cook warm. unit, and... It's a pocket of you, filth, is what it is. That is a it's pie a, in general, my man. I'm just nah, making the is. most of it. You're you're bringing low standards. It's okay. He started with saying that you know he 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 doesn't mind opining positively towards a national pie. So I still feel vindicated, and we can move on. Great. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a national, mate. Uh, They're squares. Meat in every bite. Welcome to Down Under. Our opinions are upside down. If you look at it, you know, I guess the silver lining is that Nathan's eating all those disgusting pies for us, so we don't have to see them. He's I'm living in, I'm, yeah, I'm living in my own utopia over here. <laughs> oh. just it's the Scott Morrison of a sc- curried. Um, now, just mentally I've picture got... a curried scallop making its way down my gut, gullet. Oh, you're in for a good time. Tell you what, after those after those beers at Pax, I, I can see it coming up the other way too. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Oh, um, all right. I've actually one pressing pie question I've got to ask you. What source of cho- what what is your uh, source of choice? So mm. the actual type of source and the brand of source. Because I assume we're all going to probably have the same source here. <laughs> Brands could differ. Oh, apart from Nathan, will probably have like fucking tartare on his. That's what I was thinking. Pie. No, I was like, the, the fuck this, it will be tartare. <laughs> <laughs> In one of those master food squeezies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Good question, though. Um, once upon a time, if you'd asked me, particularly in my like very tenacious, sugar-filled teenage years, I'd say barbecue sauce. But I, I and I've kind of drifted away Chuck. from that because I'd had that issue with. I suspect probably a few of us might have where 
barbecue sauces, particularly what we have in the West, are just too bloody sweet. They're mm. less on the spice, way too heavy on the sugar. It's practically a confectionery. Yep. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm actually not a big barbecue sauce guy. You can have good ones, but I just find them very hard to, to get a hold of and you won't get them in a supermarket. It's got to be the old-fashioned tomato sauce and it's mm. got to be rosella tomato rosella. sauce. Rosella, interesting. I thought it was all going to be Master Foods. Nah, rosella tomato sauce is the bomb. I'm sorry, what you. what happened to Heinz, mate? What's going on nah. here? Yeah, Heinz, Heinz of the more nah. easily Junk. available ones is probably better. I'll take Heinz over Master Food. Tell you what, you go buy... A, a bottle of Rosella, put it on the well-played credit card, and uh, you'll Easy. be a change man. See you guys. Since moving in with April, the source of choice on meat pies has, interestingly enough, been the QP Japanese mayo. Oh, I'm okay with that. I'm more it's than okay with that. Unorthodox that mayo. Different. But really keen. Dig it. Only nice, because it's on that there. mayo. Any other mayo is disgusting. Mm. Oh, for sure. 100%. Mm. It's got those like almost sweet hints of lime in it, and yet it's not a sugary mayo. Such a good time. Such a good time. All right. Let's get stuck into this week's show. Not a lot to talk about. Not a lot of massive stuff to talk about. I feel like the, Important the huge stuff. wave of um, big, big games has sort of come and gone now, and we just got a little bit of what's left over. Uh, so who has played what? Jordan, what have you been playing this week? Um, or the past few weeks? I've been playing quite a bit of Destiny 2, actually. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, my first time back since the god-awful release that was Beyond Light. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Such a terrible expansion. Mm. Uh, I've been having a good time. Uh, I read bits of your review, Nathan. Uh, I don't Just necessarily disagree. Entirely, I I do think it is perhaps not as significant as Forsaken or the Taken King, but it didn't have to be either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there are some things which I don't like. I I don't like the game's perception of difficulty in the legendary campaign, where it's just mm. like we're gonna scale you down by an arbitrary number so you deal less damage. Like that's just. That's not good design. That's just stupid. Yeah, that one was uh, a bit odd. So, yeah, the legendary difficulty there for listeners, because I actually didn't cover that in my review at all. In fact, I don't really know how I felt about that. It basically took out of the equation the power of your equipment and weapons and basically gives you this sort of blanket artisanal difficulty. It doesn't really change. And I think my feeling was is that also that kind of shows the best and the worst of the game. It's going to bring the worst features of some of the guns and that to the forefront because you don't, you know, the perks and stuff really shine. And the shit perks are going to shine the worst. Um, yeah, mixed feelings on that. Um, I do I do love the raid. I think it's the best raid they've done since Last Wish, which was, is their pinnacle of raid design yeah, for me. Yeah, totally. Um, there, there are some, the, the throne world is awesome. Mm. I really love the throne world. I still hate PvP and Gambit, <laughs> even though I'm good at them. I just don't enjoy them. They're um, not evolving. No, Gambit's gone backwards massively. Mm. Uh, but yeah, overall, it's uh, it's been a, a pretty good expansion. Uh, I I really like the the weapon crafting system. I think it's a good direction for the game to go. Um, it does a good job at addressing some of the issues with the random roll nature of the weapons. Yep. Um, I do think that the infusion system has really brought in power creep issues with the game. Uh, like, for instance, I have uh, a Chattering Bone from Last Wish. 
can still use it. A three and a half year old gun I can still use because it has a really good role and I can just bring it up to the level. I, th I think the infusion system should be limited to each expansion. So like, say the guns that came out now with the Witch Queen can only be infused up to the final season of Witch Queen. And then you got to find new gear to experience that power grind all over again. Otherwise, there's just no incentive. Ooh. Uh, I don't know. It's going to upset a lot of Destiny fans. Controversial. Yeah. Um, I, I do think the campaign was too reliant on legendary difficulty because it is a bit short. Yeah. Um, My first playthrough took me 12. My second playthrough took me 6 hours. I mean, my, first, my first legendary was like 8. Yeah. I thought um, I thought that was a good good amount of time for a Destiny campaign. Not too long, not too short. Uh, and honestly, it really just brings up a lot of issues with their seasonal storytelling because there's so much that has happened between when I stopped playing and now, and I go, who the fuck are half these characters? Yeah, that, and, uh, that was an I, issue I, I could never experience that. Yeah. Um, uh, and I just I don't like their model of taking things out of the game because... It just removes the legacy of the game, and you can't see how different expansions treated things differently if, you know, they don't exist. And then they'll sell uh, it back I, to I, you. I, that's very well. Um, I, I do wish that the Throne World uh, put a little more emphasis on gearing up like the Dreaming City did, because the Dreaming City, you felt the power climb. Mm. Like, things became more accessible because you were getting up there in levels, whereas, you know... The Throne World, aside from the, the light-bearing hive, it's kind of just everything's pretty doable straight off the bat. Yeah, no, I'm with uh, you. The, the, dream, the, the Dreaming City just sort of it sort of set the standard for what uh, Destiny can do. Absolutely. In terms of dynamic content and raid storytelling, it's very cool. I've only played it once, um, but it blew me away. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And just that the revelation when you're like, oh, I'm done with the campaign. I guess I'll just do this random exotic quest. And then... Oh, it's a whole new area that no one knew about. Mm. It's like, just, you know, that you, you can't capture that again. Um, but there are some really cool cool notes in it. Like, um, I haven't seen a lot of people mention it, but the the music for the Witch Queen oh, is actually... Divine. In, it's divine, but Sabathun's thong, thong song is... Um, She's hot, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sabathun's thong is... Thong, I can't speak. Sabathun's song... <laughs> I'm doing a Zach. Uh, her song is uh, written in a way that's actually very similar, but also juxtaposes Oryx's song from The Taken King, mm. which it does a really good job at conveying both their characters and how different they are from one another, as does the Throne World, because they lend uh, the Throne World's art style lends from the Dreadnought a little bit, but in a much lighter sense than the Dreadnought ever had. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot, a lot of thematic crossover there, I felt as well. But yeah, no, the soundtrack is definitely one that I'll be coming back to later in the year because it did it, it adds a lot to the moment-to-moment -moment experience as well, even yeah. outside those sort of iconic themes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I loved the, the final encounter for the raid because it's just not sitting in one spot shooting the boss. It's you have to move around to not get kicked off the platform, <laughs> Yeah, which is so much fun. And very and dynamic, not just, a, not just a bullet sponge that you all fire on. Yeah, ab absolutely. It was so fun. Um, and... I got, RNGs has blessed me for once because I got the Raid Exotic on my second go. Nah, you're doing better than me. <laughs> nice. Nice one. Adam, wake up. Hello, what? <laughs> what have you been playing Destiny. apart from... Apart from your... <laughs> no, you don't have, have a game Star this week, Trek. do you? 
No, no, I've um, fuck off, Jordan. I've been just kicking, kicking through Elden Ring, man. That's my, that's my obsession at the moment. Every little pocket of time that I have has been spent just exploring the world. Like I've, I've I'm up to one of the the major bosses, and I know that I, if I knuckled down, I could beat them. But I've decided to just fuck off and do a few other things first, and kind of explore the the underground sections of the map and clean up some uh quests here and there that i haven't either started or progressed as far as they probably could be and yeah i'm just having a a real fun time getting some closure on some things and then just having more of the map open up as i explore the little nooks and crannies because the the map is so dense like it's it's unbelievable how Mm, much content mm. there is in that game it's insane and well, like you, you did share um in the, the Slack that you know you've come across some old friends known as the Basilisks. Yeah, friends friends is one way to put it. Um they're definitely not as in at least in the area that I found them as ridiculous as they were in Dark Souls, but yep. still I just was instantly filled with rage when I saw their beady little fucking if, eyes. If it's any consolation, they'll get there. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Th- th- there's a huge moment of tribute to the uh, Dark Souls One Basilisk encounters coming up no. for you. So that that's as much as we'll say on that. I-, I will say though, on top of that, weirdly enough, I found them more of a hassle to handle in the open areas than in like the confined catacombs areas. Oh, that just that doesn't fill me with confidence <laughs> at all. I mean it. It's good because I think I hate a different kind of enemy in Elden Ring more than I do the Basilisks. Oh, so I've, I think got a, I've, I've got a, I've got a most hated, but what's yours, mate? Mine is the, the singing flying vampire ladies. Oh, really? I don't know what they're actually called, but oh. I think that the fact that they cause poison buildup, they fly, so they're a bit of a pain in the ass to hit if you're a melee, if you're using any kind of melee weapon. And I they will have fight that. you on that. Go on then. You just do a jump attack. <laughs> nah, but you, I'm shit though. Okay, that, fair enough. That, that's that's all I got for you. No, I just find them really annoying. No, they're no, not, that's they're not particularly fair. difficult. They're just irritating, and I hate them. I think the one that shits me, and I'll get Jordan's as well, is the ones that kind of they got a bit of a, a gremlin hat on them, and they're like three feet tall, and they cackle, <laughs> and then they come at you oh, with these spears, yeah. and they can shoot these like little wind ferocious attacks at you, and. Yeah, they're bastards. Yeah, once they get a good beat on me. uh, Did you end up going to the subterranean area for Landell? Yep, that's what I'm trying not to give too much away on. But yeah, yeah. So there's just there's one enemy type in there. Oh, the chonkers. You'll know you'll the no no no, the the ones that are just like right outside the lost side of Grace. Um, they were super annoying for me to deal with just because. Uh, the the way um, input queuing works with a block. So, like, if you take a block, your next action doesn't come out as quickly as you'd think. So you'd end up taking a second hit and then just getting swamped by a flurry of attacks. And you're not talking about the dudes with, like, the big meat cleavers? Yeah, no, them, yeah. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah they are particularly prickly. But Adam's got that to look forward to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you don't get hit by them, there's no problem. Oh, cool. That's no worries, because I can dodge out of the way and into another attack really well, so I should be fine. Well, there you go. All sorted. 
Zach's favourite game. Nathan, what have you been playing? Yeah, well, I, I too have been venturing into the lands between. I won't say too much on that, other than the fact that I have finally cleared it. Uh, it took me, I almost feel embarrassed to say it now that I'm seeing people posting their numbers on Twitter, but... Uh, Hey, hey, just remember, my first Dark Souls clear was 100 hours. Yeah, look, it's certainly not as bad as that. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was about... A, my <laughs> That's a rough number. But but my first Elden Ring clear, which was not just seeing on the critical path, but doing and seeing everything I could, uh, it was about 130 hours. That was pretty significant. There didn't feel to be any filler in that time. It's a significant triumph of open-world design that... Is going to really sour my taste with other open world games this year. Like I'm going to need to retain some perspective because it's not going to be fair to poo-poo on those I, games. I, I I would probably suggest perhaps maybe not going towards them for the next few months. Yeah, uh, I'm trying. If you do the you know back to back, they'll uh, both games uh, designs will conflict with each other, and you'll find that. Yeah, like like a good example, which is one that many will probably draw on, is is to an, an Ubisoft game. Of course, I've been playing Far Cry Six either side of Elden Ring, and and playing it beforehand, you know, it was kind of a destructive sandbox, and you could have some tongue in cheek fun with it. Afterwards, it feels bland. It doesn't feel very imaginative. It kind of almost feels on rails and and just meaningless. Everything in in Elden Ring had a purpose, and it had some kind of appeal and aesthetic triumph, but. Yeah, tough, tough stakes. It's going to be an interesting year. Um, and I played a board game, uh, which is something I'd take the bit of a hiatus from, playing a little worker placement game called Raiders of the North Sea by myself. Uh, just a neat little game where you've got a, a little sort of village of Vikings and you gather some supplies and then you go Viking off across the sea, gather some plunder, bring it back to impress your chieftain, Whoever impresses the Chieftain the most is going to be the one with the most victory points, and they win. And it's just nice to see a game that should probably be a kind of violent subject matter portrayed in such a... Um, it's it's uh, it's abstracted down to such a way that it's quite colourful, something that I could probably show to, to maybe family members. And uh, it's not too thinky, and, and the cards are really nicely illustrated, so it was a nice little game to play played it by myself so nathan one versus nathan two and nathan one and nathan two tied on 64 points I'll, I'll get him next time that's all right i've got faith in you yeah I <laughs> oh and uh, i forgot to mention it i started playing Kana last night nice mm, bridge of spirits yes what do you think How are you enjoying that i'm actually really enjoying it it's been a it's been a lovely little title just to you know just whack on and start playing. It's very cute. Oh my it goodness. Is. The, the little rocks are just adorable. Oh, they're the greatest, aren't they? They're so Pixar. And, yeah, uh, and there's just there's so much life in the animation of everything. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so, good. So how's Elden Ring going, Zach? <laughs> yeah, I have not touched it <laughs> since. He, he, don't you know, he got the uh, world record. He rage quit in 20 minutes. <laughs> He's a pro. No rage quit, no rage quit yet. No, I'll, I'll go back to it at some point. It's going to be um, his next year's pledge. Uh, <laughs> probably next couple of years worth of pledges. What a chunky <laughs> game. I'll probably, yeah, that fucking noose around my neck. Elix, that's going to be, <laughs> be with me. For the, <laughs> hey, don't the worry, maybe uh, KS will have to do Elix too. Yeah, fuck. All right. Um, no, I've played uh, almost at the end of Ghostwire Tokyo. I know you guys yep. spoke about it a lot last week, so I won't talk too much 
about it. I'm very, very, very similar to where both you, uh, Nathan and Kieran sit. Uh, I think I'm probably a tiny bit more negative than you two, only ever so slightly. Um, I really like the world. I think, I think this game does a lot of things right. Does none of them amazing. Mm. Um, and I think the combat is its biggest problem. I know that you talked about the combat last week, but uh, the combat is basically what you see is what you get. So what you've learned in the first 30 to 60 minutes of that game is it. And I really wish that they had fleshed out the, the combat more, you know, with more skill points, with more, just like, you know, you can hold your button that you'd use to attack and push L1 or something and gives you like a, I know, let's just do something different. Like it's very repetitive from, yeah, you know, from from the moment that you unlock each ability, it, it basically does not change. Um, and there's just, there's too much, I think there's too much content uh, in terms of side quests and spirits and just there's too much stuff that I think pulls you away from the narrative. But then again, the narrative itself isn't that strong. It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty wafer thin really, but it's still interesting. Like I'm still intrigued a little bit um voice acting is amazing like he's like you guys said good game uh i would probably give it a seven myself um but i really i'm hoping to write this article if i I probably won't get time this week so hopefully i I, I do get time but i really hope that we keep making games like ghost white tokyo oh definitely because this is a game that obviously tango gameworks wanted to make and there's a ton that doesn't sort of you know, not all of it is done well, like I said, but it's you know it's what they wanted to make and it's 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 different. It's something different and unique, even though it is very samey in terms of its open world and its you know content crazy, sort of you know all the side quests, all the stuff like it's all very open world generic, uh, also generic open world. Yeah, but it's, I, it's, it's it's yeah, but it's got its it's got its own style. It's got its own flavor. It's it's very unique. It's and there's not enough big games, in my opinion, that utilize Japan as a setting, mm. uh, at, at least like a modern sort of Japan. And I'm talking like mass appeal games, not like games that sort of, you know, the indie little games. I'm talking big, you know, Bethesda made sort of games. Um, so I really do like that. I do hope that as the genre sort of moves more towards these big budget, you know, open world click fest games i do hope that we sort of make these little smaller single player um wacky games because you know even a seven and a seven and a half and it's it's funny that you hear people talk about it but people are so like oh you know it's it's a bit average it's a bit it's a bit shit and you go oh seven out of ten you're like that that's not that's not a bad score that's a a good that's a good like that like that is a good i'm even like i resisted for such a long time this notion that anything below an eight is shit house and is not worth my time you know or not you know just people's thoughts but even slowly my, my brain is turning into that thought that like oh it's a seven like fuck like it's it's a bit shit uh, and i'm trying to avoid like going down that rabbit hole because you know some of my favorite games are sixes or fives or fours yeah um, I, I really appreciate you saying that as well because that's going to be a good preface for another game that we're going to be discussing tonight hmm. yeah because there's like there's tons of good little games and probably not not so much with indie games. I don't think it matters too much to indie games as much. I think it's the the, it's the bigger 
budget sort of bigger published uh, games like the, the Ghost Wire, which, and, and even like your Death Loops and stuff like that. Um, that are you know the single player driven, different. I mean, you know, they, they still feel similar in parts, but yeah, they just, you know, they're brand new IPs, and I really, I always appreciate. And I've said it many, many times. I always appreciate developers and publishers putting the risk out and, and you know trying new IPs rather than going down the same. Because I think I read, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Just mail it into. I'm wrong about this at wellplayed.com. Um, but I'm pretty sure Ghostwire started out as the Evil Within three, oh, okay. and, and then it and then it got then it changed. I think that could be fake news, um, but I believe I read that. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that was good. I'm still I'm not finished yet, but um, it's slowly getting a little bit repetitive. I'm kind of getting a bit over it, but I'm still like compelled to finish it. So. It's like, oh, I've got to finish Ghostwire. And then I play it and I'm like, oh, what happens next? Like, even though I'm finger blasting everything, you know, over and over again. Content warning. Um, yeah, you know. So there's just things that it could do better. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, and look, I think it's easy to talk about the flaws in that game because they're very pronounced. It's harder to define what that game does well because a lot of it's aesthetic. Um. Mm. Yeah, I think it dang- it's going to be dangling enough carrots to sort of see you through to the credits. Like, I'm definitely keen to get back and see the credits roll, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's not the most locomotive story. It doesn't no. doesn't quite keep you oh. glued. There's just some really cool sequences, and you want to see what the next one is. The one thing that this game fucking needs, and I, occasionally I keep thinking it has this feature, but it doesn't have this fucking feature. It needs a dodge or a dash or a... Like a strafe or something like yeah. that. Like. I hear you. Um, Moving around in combat the, just feels so clunky, slow, and ugh. And I, and I know that you banged on about last week, Nathan, about the the dual sense features, and for the most part, the handling, the combat wise, is pretty good. But the noise that comes out of that controller <laughs> yeah, is so goes fucking off. annoying. <laughs> like, and I'm pretty sure, and this makes me mad thinking about it, but. There's no way in the settings to actually turn it off. Oh, because I was playing you with headphones, to. so I wasn't really paying attention to it. But I know. Yeah, what you're so the headphones about. headphones might override it. I, I can't confirm that. But when I was playing on the TV, the I can turn the controller volume down, right? But there was like like rain noises and other like background noises, and I was like, this is over- overwhelming. I can't hear what this guy's saying on the TV. This mm. controller is so fucking so loud. There so there is a way to fix that, which is you break open the controller and disconnect the speaker. Hmm. Uh, anyway, so yeah, there's that. Uh, I also played a memoir blue. Ooh. Uh, Mark is doing the official review for Well Played, so I just I'll just give you my thoughts. It's very short. It's an hour long, if that, maybe fifty minutes to sixty minutes. It has one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard. It is amazing. Um, if you like music with your games, like if you, if you like games that are carried by sound or by music, this is one that just, because there are no words in this game. There are no spoken words in this game. This, this game is carried pretty much by its, uh, soundtrack. It's done by Joel Korolitz, Korolitz. He did, I think he did the Halo soundtrack, Halo, Halo Infinite. There you go. Um, but yeah, he did that and it's, 
incredible. But uh, basically, it's a little short um, game about uh, a woman and her life. Um, it's actually quite sad. Like there is, um, yeah, you play like it's got six chapters and there's little small interactive moments that you play through. They're very, very basic. They're like... Uh, I don't know, you turn on lights and then you rotate like a carousel kind of thing or you um, scrub off dust that's on like a pitcher, for example. Um, so it's, it's very, very minimal in, in terms of the gameplay. Uh, but yeah, it's just basically about this, this lady's life and her career and yeah, it, it's, quite, it's quite a little touching game. Uh, I know that Mark quite liked it. I think that uh, it resonated very well with him. So I'm looking forward to reading his review. Probably a little too short for me. I, I go back to where the snow settles a yeah. little bit um, on just that. But I feel like this, not to back, give that game a bit of a backhand, but this, uh, a memoir blue plays its shorthand a bit better than sort of something with where the snow settles does. This game and the story that, that it tells actually works very well in this short little space. It probably just needs a little bit more time you know another like hour half an hour whereas where the snow settles the story that that time i felt was way too crammed in whereas this uh is, is sort of like an overview of this you know of a series of events in this in this girl's life in this lady's life um quite good i'd probably give it seven again maybe seven and a half um uh, maybe even an eight I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not too sure there are a couple times where i was i, I felt like the gameplay is very very basic um and it's not over. It doesn't. It's not that it needs to be super instructive. But there are times. There was one. There was one moment in the game where I was like, "What the fuck am I have? Am I meant to be doing here?" Um, it just turns out that I didn't click on the right item at first. But it doesn't really give you any sort of indication of what you have to do. You just kind of got to figure it out. It is very simple though most of the time. Uh, but the soundtrack makes that game. Uh, I think that. Uh, and it's it, the art style is quite neat. It's got a, it's a blue it's a very blue, heavy art style, um, but yeah, I think it's like eleven bucks. On oh, that's an attractive price point. Yeah, so the price you pay and what you get, I think, is quite good. Um, as a, is it a good game? Yeah, it's you know it's solid enough to play through. The, I think the soundtrack alone is is worth it. Uh, if you if you like games like uh, soundtracks like Life is Strange kind of stuff, that sort of style of um, soundtrack, I think you'll really, really like this. Oh, because I was thinking more along the lines of Golf Club Wasteland, but that did have a bit of... No, it is no. completely the opposite. <laughs> this is this is like... Um, yeah, it's... it's there's, uh, there's like four or five actual short acoustic sort of tracks, and then there's a bunch of... There's like, 20 or so or maybe 15 to 20 little short uh instrumental like ambient sort of interlude sort of tracks mm. um, but they're all very like heartfelt and it's just yeah i love that shit you know so uh that's what i've been playing apart from the review game that i'm going to talk about i should know sorry that's a lie i've also been i've uh, started playing for review a game called tunche i think is, is, is what, what it's called uh, it's a little uh, up to four player uh, beat 'em up game that did come out on Steam in November last year. Switch, I think it's already out. I think 
uh, and it's coming to PlayStation or launched on PlayStation and Xbox, I think, last week. Uh, it's got a pretty heavily Disney-inspired art style. It's basically, it's set in the Amazon rainforest uh, and you have to basically restore peace in the forest. And I love a good beat-em-up. Um, you know, Streets of Rage is one of my favorite games of all time. You know, number four, I, ga- I gave that gave that bad boy a 10. Um, this probably doesn't quite hit those levels. Um it's fun. The animations are very, are very good. The art style is fantastic. Soundtrack is not is basically non-existent, and I feel like in those sorts of games, you know, um, soundtrack is is definitely a key part. Also, it's very repetitive, and that's sort of a hypocritical thing to say because you play a game like Streets of Rage, and it's you know there's only half a dozen type of enemies that you fight, but the soundtrack and the art style and everything just works together and you don't really sort of feel it here. It's, uh, it's, 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 it feels like it's a lot more noticeable. Um, but it's fun. It's fun. I'd, I'd probably put it in the realm of like a six to a seven at the moment. So seven might be a little bit generous, but it's probably about a six. Disappointing that it's not online co-op as we all found out. Um, it's only local co-op, uh, I feel like this is definitely a game that would be much better with with other people. Uh, so it's a shame that there's no online co-op. And there's no online co-op in any of the ports, which is very strange for a, for a game of that type in this to be launched in this sort of um, time frame. Anyways, a uh, review will be up hopefully next week. I've done... Uh, so Sorry, I should, should also say it's a bit like a roguelike. So it's like a beat-em-up roguelike. So you basically go on runs. Oh, and... Yep. Uh, yeah, if, if, if you die, you, you go back to the base camp. There's five different characters. I've played as three at the moment. Uh, I found one that I quite like, so I'm sort of persisting with them. The boss, I died twice on before finally beating it uh, the other night, but I haven't played it. Yeah, I haven't, haven't gone through more, but it is... I'm not a big roguelike fan, so I, 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 I don't know how I feel about that in, in, in this particular genre, like in this type of game. I feel like it sort of goes against... I don't know. Like it's fine, it, it, like it it works, but for me personally, it's not what a beat 'em up is. Um, but we'll see. Nice. We'll see how we go. All right, Nathan, you've got a review game. I've got a review game. No one else has anything, do they? No, they don't. Have you spoken about WWE? Yep. Yeah, we had a we had a chat about the old graps. It's a good time. Pick it up before WrestleMania. All right. Who's your... Uh, who are you going to say is going to come out and be the surprise fighter in WrestleMania? Dylan, Cody Rhodes. What, what, what Dylan Daniels? Said? Ray Romano? <laughs> I would love nothing more than if old Double D, Dylan Daniels, came striding down at WrestleMania. That would be Ray an absolute Romano. time. Fuck, I've said he is, uh, shit. Old, old Dylan Daniels is wrestling this Saturday, though, so I don't know if you'll make the flight all the way over for mm. WrestleMania on Sunday. Be a bit rough. But for those who want to get to check out uh, the big double Ds, where do we... Uh, Tasmanian Championship Wrestling. You can find them on Facebook. Have a have a browse. They're a, they're a good group. Some very talented folks. And our big, big fan of the show, uh, Dylan Daniels. So sh- shout out oh, to him. Oh, absolutely. Huge. 
He is the we'll first. We'll see if we can uh, get some merch. Get some merch from him. That's it. it may, you know, maybe we'll even get him on for a for an F one day. He'd love it. He would be. He would love that. All right, Nathan, don't talk to us about Weird West. Weird West. Let's do it. So this is a, a very hard game to explain. Now, fortunately, um, we do have preview up on the site. And I was able to take a bit of cue from that. But Weird West, to put it down, is kind of... It felt like a game from a different era. It struck me first off as a game that was drawing a lot of inspiration from things like Fallout, which had drawn inspiration from Wasteland. So there's kind of post-apocalyptic RPGs. But we're not in the post-apocalypse and we're not in an RPG. We're in the Wild West, and for the most part, the way this game unfolds, it's fairly, you know... Hopefully Will Smith's not, not there. <laughs> it's not Wild Wild West. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be telling the uh, the rocks to watch out. Anyway, um, yeah, so... <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're, we're, in the, we're in the Wild West, but one of the things that I quite liked um, about this is a very, very story-driven game. So right from the outset, we see this kind of cult ritual happening and there's not really much context given to it. And then we're forced into the shoes of Jane Bell. She's an ex-marshal uh, or lawkeeper, I can't really recall. I think, she, no, she was a bounty hunter, yes. And her husband has been abducted by a gang and child's subsequently murdered and she's just kind of, you know, rushed out of the house to find that this has occurred and sets off on her journey. Now, we've got five characters that you'll play through in the course of this game, and your role as the player is a kind of a possessor, like a soul that happens to possess these five different characters and go through their storylines. And the storylines are subsequent, so you, you finish up with Jane Bell and whatever happens from her story, you go off and meet the gang and, you know, decide what happens to them. Does the gang leader live? What's Why does the gang leader even take your husband? It turns out it's... And this is not a spoiler territory, this is mentioned at the outset, but it's kind of in part human trafficking, in part livestock. So there's this implication that the gang harbours uh, cannibals. But of course, then by the time that we find this gang, the game starts to then err and take a bit of a left swing into a kind of dark fantasy. It's where we get this weird. Now, when I came into this game, I was thinking, is this going to be a kind of based on the wording here, Weird West is going to be kind of a tongue-in-cheek. Is this a funny game? Is this going to play with some ludicrous elements? But it, it wants to really, so, so, uh, at the outset, makes it known that this is a quite a serious, if not romantic, take on, you know, Wild West as a setting and the tropes therein and, and then plays on that. So the game and the writing especially really carries this sense of world. So when you talk to characters, every NPC in the game is supposed to be their own character you know they'll have a name you know effectively they'll have their own house and a mailbox and um you know uh, so but but then one of the issues is, is there's all this there's a lot of elements of interaction to really ground you into this game it's supposed to be an immersive experience despite the fact that it's not an rpg so this game it pulls from a lot of talent and you end up getting this mishmash of all these different games you've played before all rolled into one. So it becomes really hard to try and define this game in a kind of elevator pitch. But anywho, the first character, as I said, I round up their story and it was mostly playing what I'd expect to be a kind of Wild West story of revenge. And then we get to the second character and the game really takes its mask off and we're playing this pig man. We've possessed this person that's been transformed into a pig through this really quite gruesome um 
surgery conducted by witches and then there's this soul tree at play and then we're told you know the stakes for this story is so much different to the previous one we've got to try and just you know the, the, the soul tree a very foul-mouthed soul tree talks to us can communicate with us and tells us it wants to commit suicide so our quest then becomes to try and find out a why are we why we're we being transformed into a pig and b how do we help this um soul tree ascend to a higher plane and it then continues like you get onto the next character which is a native american written by native american scholar so i really respect that the studio has gone out and sought uh, a, a, another voice for that a more authentic voice to um there's no nothing is spared in terms of the writing all the characters that you come across they'll talk in ways and patterns that are kind of um i guess normalized in that particular part of the world so for example when you when characters talk about killing someone, they'll say that, you know, they want someone put under snakes. And of course, when you first hear that, you think that's a bit of an odd turn of phrase. But then you may start meeting like marshals and stuff that want you to do bounties for them. And they're telling you that, you know, dead or alive, you can bring them back or, or you can just, you know, bury them under snakes. It's all good. So there's this really authentic sense of dialogue that occurs throughout this world. You start off in just a small corner of the world and you can decide to you know, you can follow your quest with your character, you know, you'll have some series of objectives lined up, you can then, otherwise you can just maybe just steal a horse or pay for a horse if you're, you know, a reputable person and go off into the world and just see what uncovers. You start off with a fog of war, this map, and off you go. And so whilst you can trek around this overworld map by just clicking and you sort of got a marker that moves from point to point, which is very old school computer RPG. Again, if you've played Fallout or if you've played Wasteland, you know exactly what that's like. And then you land on a town or an oasis or a, a mine and then it puts you into a sort of squared arena or a level. So a level, very quickly, you'll see the parameters of a particular zone. So if you walk into a town, it's very clear that it's kind of laid out in a square if you walk to the edges of that square, you can then leave the area, go back to the overworld map. So it sensibilities and design strikes me as, uh, you know, action RPGs or RPGs that I would have played in the mid-noughties on PC. And that's really cool because we don't see many of those anymore. So one of the real benefits of this older style of design is we also see older styles of interactivity reaction and immersion it's a really dynamic game and it leads to all these really cool things happening as you're just playing through uh, a couple of examples or rather an example i removed from my review is that one of the first early firefights i was in um had me firing a pistol at this guy that was coming out of a mine and he was just sort of like he had dynamite in both hands and as he was throwing dynamite at me and i'm shooting him i end up shooting both of the dynamite back at him so it's all under the surface. You've got these really cool systems that don't advertise themselves to you and you just natively come across them. Other things like you'll have a lot of interaction between chemicals. So I had this other instance that I mentioned in my review where I was at a fighting pit for the Native American character's story. We were chasing up some leads and this gang said, if you know, if you fight in our little arena, we might be able to give you some clues. You know, fought, one, no problem. And then a tornado whips through out of nowhere. The weather changed. You know, it's got this day, night and dynamic weather system. This tornado just whips through the arena and it starts picking up these oil barrels and tossing them around. So you've got all this oil just spilling all over the arena, but then it manages to pick up something combustible. No, it, um, oh, the oil ended up touching a lit brazier, which then sets off this chain reaction. And then the, the fire ends up getting caught up into the, into the tornado. And then a bison gets caught up and then, most of the pit organizers and one of my team members 
Everyone's just getting whipped up into this tornado. The oil and the poison, all of a sudden there's a poison barrel being thrown around. It's creating all this combustion going off everywhere. When the dust settles, the world is completely changed. And then if I come back to that, uh, the fighting pit a little later in the game, all of those casualties minus one kind of a bug had been buried in like a local graveyard behind the fire pit. And, you know, life had resumed again as normal. They'd employed some new gang members and life goes on. And it's hard to really explain it because it kind of does seem a bit simple and some of it can be a bit simple in how it's executed, you know, like the old goes out, you you know, you go to a place, kill a bunch of people, they bury them and new people move into the house. But it does lend a kind of emergent storytelling that undercuts what is already a very well-written story. All these characters' little stories and dilemmas, they all have a core kind of path they're trying to tread in a, a core dilemma but there is an overarching plot as you're possessing each of these five characters you're building towards this or uncovering this mysterious apocalyptic narrative that's mired in the occult and i think one of the things i really appreciated about weird west as a western game is it is a western first it doesn't heavily pronounce its dark fantasy themes until a bit further through i mean obviously you get the pig man as your second character but even then it's still like there's this talk of witches and werewolves and they're sort of kind of on the periphery of the conversation as you go through towns very much like games like the witcher and that where it's a world of monsters but they're not sort of in the in the towns and amongst the people they're kind of on the periphery so the game sort of unfolds and expands. A couple of the issues I had with it, despite the fact that, you know, terrific writing and immersion and world building and all these dynamic systems that lead to all these interesting events, is that the combat itself was a bit clunky by modern standards. So it kind of plays like a twin-stick shooter when you're in combat, but you're also a very uh, weak character. Don't, even when I had, you know, maximum armor, you go into combat, you'd have your two posse members with you if you're so lucky, and I'd walk into maybe like a, a witch's temple and all of a sudden you've got 10 witches coming at you. They're all going for you. They're not going for your teammates. Your teammates, are, one of them's on the roof, another one's in a nearby barn. You know, they don't know what they're doing. Um, you, you try and throw some dynamite, but the game doesn't actually uh, let you sort of choose how you want to throw dynamite. It's sort of like it lets you choose laterally where you want to throw the dynamite, but it doesn't let you choose distance via an analog stick. You have to press R1 to go... Um, to, to adjust your length and that's really it doesn't really work because when you're trying to do combat in this game to use your special abilities it's asking you to hold as many as three or four different buttons at a time and then uh, whilst I'm trying to throw dynamite which you know throwables makes up almost half of your weapons at your disposal um, in, an, in an action game where everyone's moving around and the action's happening so fast and then you've got instances like with a whirlwind coming through and all these elements exploding everywhere combat frequently plays out as this chaotic clusterfuck but then you're trying to do, you know, maybe tactically throw a dynamite or something. You've got to try and line up the distance with the R1 button, which makes no sense because R1's not, you know, you typically adjust throwables in any other action game with a right analog stick. And that would work here as well. So combat ends up getting real clunky. You've got this really bad AI that will just get stuck on door frames or just magically decide to go chill on a roof somewhere or whatever they do. It never really makes much sense. Um, and then and then sometimes a lot of the systems that govern the AI don't really know how to respond to a situation. So another thing I mentioned in the review is I had this instance where I went to carry out a bounty, get to the gang's hideout, and they've got a hostage, and I shoot the gang leader who's got the hostage hostage. She freaks out, pulls a shotgun on me, goes, you committed murder, tries killing me, even though I'm just like, bro, I just saved you. I got, I, you know, I've got nothing to do. I've got to protect myself. I shoot her and then get a bounty on my head, and it's like, well, what do I do with this? 
So, you know, but, but it's funny, right? So, you know, the systems don't always work and there's so many of them because this game really just wants to just see how the systems interact with one another and it plays it fast and loose. So it's going to be a game for a particular kind of person. I really quite enjoyed it, as you can probably tell. I was really enthused by it, but it was a game that had its problems. So combat wasn't wonderful. It's When it's working well, it's a tr- terrific time of absolute chaos unfolding. Unfortunately, you've got characters, that are, you know, like the main characters, your character's usually quite squishy, subsequently also the focus of most firefights. It's got a cover system that won't that, that only lets you sort of pop out of cover for one shot at a time. So it usually ends up meaning that you pop out of cover to fire one shot, you've got to wait a second for it to go back down so you can pop up for another shot. During that time, you've got people hailing gunfire and dynamite at you. So you find that more tactical approaches that it gives you, the game offers, that they don't really work. A lot of the abilities that it gives you don't really stand to be used because they rely on tactical timing or some strategic element. Strategy goes out the window as soon as combat starts. So as long as you approach that, it's sort of a fast and fun action game that plays fast and loose with its own you know, um, rules and world. It's very much enjoyable. It's a game that's coming to Game Pass. So I very much encourage anyone that you know is curious and interested should absolutely jump on this. But as I mentioned there at the start, it's a game of a different era. It's an isometric game that makes very clear and no excuses for its limitations. It's very much focused on its own sort of silliness under the hood of its systems being crazy, uh, whilst also telling a very serious story on top. You know, the, th- the themes and the characters here are really well done. I would be... I, I would really like to see what this studio does next. Um, probably not a sequel to this game. I think that they've fleshed out this world and done as much as they could possibly do to it. But um, yeah, for 2022, seeing a game like this that looks like it's coming out of the mid-noughties and makes no excuses for it is is really fascinating. I ended up giving it a 7.5, which uh, I thought was quite a respectable score for what the game was trying to do. Very nice. Did, um, did you f- feel any... Uh arcane flavors in there at all because this is actually the new studio wolf uh wolf eye yeah, yeah yeah you're right is um raphael raphaelo or whatever his name is that's that's the chocolate Nadal? isn't it um <laughs> raphael something yeah is, uh, yeah i think i think it wears its influences on its sleeve and i think games like dishonored and that you're absolutely going to see where the influences are drawn the game doesn't hide any of this so I think the first thing that stood out to me that went, this is definitely a game that's got some talent from, you know, um, uh, things like Arcane is its approach to abilities, which, as I mentioned, is sometimes good, sometimes not, depending on the situation. So you will have abilities that give you, like, invisibility. You'll have an ability that gives you the ability to cast those whirlwinds that cause all that chaos. So you'll have a lot of abilities that kind of try and force you to exploit those systems and interactions in the world. And that's really neat. The fact that um, as you go through towns and dungeons and mines, you can interact with almost every object to some extent, whether it's picking it up, whether it's picking it off a shelf. Books are scattered everywhere. So you've got text entries out the wazoo, which is very much an arcane thing. So yeah, the arcane elements are absolutely there. And I think anyone that's played those games will see them immediately. But the fact is, is they're not the best elements of that game. Because the, I think it lends the, the, the kind of arcane formula or, or DNA that you might see immediately, as I said, with the abilities. Um, they're going to come out in combat, which I thought was probably the weakest part of the game. Um, but, but in saying that, it's, I've, the, other, the other part of, I think, the arcane philosophy that 
really guides this game is the fact that you'll give you'll be given a situation or an obstacle and the game says the ov- you know the obvious way here is to go in all guns blazing or you can take a stealth approach or you can just get creative with it you might be able to talk to a character that gives you an item you might be able to teleport in you might be able to send something in and disguise you know be, be able to really have a creative solution to a problem which is something that I loved about games like Dishonored, you know, because it, it's a game that primarily wants you to pursue stealth but gives you a lot of tools to do that. This game does that. It's just that a lot of that, yeah, approach to combat is kind of where it falls apart. Nice. And you played on PS5, correct? Uh, yeah, PS5 using uh, what, what they've only produced so far as being a, a PS4 game. It looked good. I had some settings I really appreciated playing it on a TV when it is a game that looks so much like it should be played on a PC. The fact that I could adjust pretty much everything in the UI elements because when I first loaded it up, everything would look way too small. I couldn't read anything. Um, I was able to adjust text sizes, box sizes, you know, the UI elements had it all looking great. So it plays terrifically on console. I didn't fit, have any stitch-ups with uh, frame rates or loading or anything like that. So highly recommend this um, on PlayStation as much as I'm sure it's probably at home on computer. Very nice, very nice. We'll, we'll uh, check out the review when that goes live. Should, probably should be live when this goes up, I think. Yes, that would be correct. That would be correct. It will be up. Cool. All right. I also reviewed a game, and that is uh, Siberia The World Before, which we've spoken about ever so briefly uh, previously on on the podcast. Um, Anyone who's probably listened to this knows that I'm a huge adventure game fan. Um, Siberia is probably, you know, definitely one of my favorite series in that genre uh the third one which came out in 2017 uh which sort of was the return of the series after 13 years didn't quite hit the level that we hoped uh was a bit disappointing uh but this one's actually surprisingly very good uh which is a shame so well no sorry it's good but it's a bit of a shame that the or it's a massive shame that the creator uh, Benoit Sokel, he actually passed away last year. Mm. So this could be the the last game that we actually get, uh, which is slightly annoying because the game does end on a cliffhanger once again. <laughs> so much like the Siberia games, they all seem to leave you hanging, wanting more. But this one, uh, some you know, some sequel bait makes sense. This one kind of felt like it probably could have wrapped up that story. However, the story is very good. I think so. The main premise of this one is that it's actually set across two timelines or, or two two main characters. You've got your Kate Walker in two thousand late two thousand four, early two thousand five, uh, and then you got your Dana Rose uh, in the nineteen thirties, like nineteen thirty seven, and then onwards from from there. Uh, Kate Walker is the series sort of main protagonist, and, and she once again is is the, is the main protagonist. You play the bulk of the time as. As her, but essentially, uh, after the events of Siberia Three, which saw her captured by uh, the militia, she is now captive in a Russian salt mine, uh, and she learns that her mother has actually passed away, uh, and then she basically plans. Well, she she escapes, and while escaping, she stumbles across a painting of a young girl who turns out to be uh, Dana Rose, and. Uh, the Dana Rose looks essentially identical to Kate Walker. So, you know, she's a bit of a doppelganger. So from there, Kate Walker kind of makes it her mission to, to figure out who this girl is and if there's any sort of connection between the two. 
on the you know on paper by itself it's kind of a bit of a a loose setup you go oh yeah there's a picture of a person who looks like me want to know all you know now we're going to go find out all about them but it kind of works you know in that sort of wacky sort of siberia crazy and crazy kind of premise way it kind of it works and, and there is slightly more to it than what i'm giving on it's just for spoilers and i'm not gonna not gonna go there but yeah so then basically that 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 starts the uh, kate walker's journey <clears throat> finding out about Dana Rose and uh, Dana Rose is like a young, uh, when you first play as Dana, she's a young budding uh, pianist who is, is very good and she's from this city called Wagen and she's studying at this like famed Wagen music, uh, musical academy. Um, but she is, she's a Vagarian. Now why that's important is because in this game uh, they substitute the Nazis for a army called the Brown Shadow. So, so I don't know if you played who's played Siberia before. I feel like Nathan, you have, yeah. Um, no, no. I've just no, told I you that I like. I think I owned the first three, right. and I've always been on the precipice of, of hitting them up. But there's been other adventure games higher up on my list. This one's always seemed a little bit niche. I'd recommend playing the first two. The, the world is very, like one of the coolest parts about Siberia is just the world. I like the world that Benoit Sokal has, has, has made is very like, it's charming. It's intriguing. It's full of like these crazy wacky inventions. It's all about like automatons and sort of stuff like that. It's, it's very, very cool. And there's, and Kate Walker is a badass. She's probably my favorite female protagonist in any, any game. Oh, uh, okay. Lo- love her. And also a little bit of a babe, not going to lie. So, yeah, um, you are. Anyway, uh, so what was I saying? How did I ask you if you played it? What was the... And I said, I haven't played it. And then, yeah, oh, we're the on Shadow. Brown yes, Shadow. Yes. Yeah. The Brown does, Shadow. Does That's how I start my morning. I've sent someone the, the art book for the third one. You did send me the art book because <laughs> I let you buy the last... The last collector's edition the for last the statue. Collector's edition on the basis that you sent me the, uh, the art book. Um, so yes, the game substitutes... The Nazis. So it's sort of set during the Second World War, obviously. And it, instead of the Siberian world is pretty much identical to our world. Like the city of Vargas, like this Central European place. It's got, you know, it looks like a Central European city, right? Um, but in its own sort of intriguing way, with like automatons sort of spread across the city and this like tram network that's like got like these drivers that are all like robots that. If you've played the series, you'll kind of know like what I'm uh, talking about. But yeah, it, it's just a bit weird how they don't, they kind of, I, I can sort of see why they don't go full ham, you know, that they, they don't go full on with the World War Two stuff because, you know, this world is slightly different. So they do, I guess they want, they don't want to, they want to have their own sort of take on it. But again, mm. it is a little bit, it sort of lacks a bit of authenticity there because they talk about the Vergarians who, the, so but basically the Brown Shadow are trying to eradicate the uh, uh, pe- people known as Vargarians, which is what Dana Rose and her like family are. So it's you know you replace Vargarians with Jews, brown shadow with Nazis, and you pretty yeah. much got you know you, know, you kind of get you kind of get the idea. Um, so it's a bit of a shame how they don't kind of go historically correct on that, but you know it's a video game, so whatever. Uh, but that, but like that, that whole side of thing, it's actually really cool and uh, really interesting. And it, 
the whole narrative, uh, both Kate and Dana's side of things, is actually a lot more personal, a lot more heartfelt, a lot, a lot more raw than like than previous Siberia games, which have pretty much been about like like the the third game was about Kate Walker going with this uh, tribe known as the Yukuls, who while they migrate these ostriches, you know, like that's kind of what these games are sort of about. Or the second game, I think one of the first first or second game was about convincing a guy who made who was the inheritor of the Volberg company who basically make all these automatons right like um, it's not really it's never really been like a personal sort of story so this is this was quite a nice touch gameplay wise it's also kind of the same you know you've played point and clicks but it's like more modern sort of 3d take on it you know with a controller you can sort of do it like that you sort of pull things you turn things you know you put keys in things and you turn it it's all pretty straightforward that's pretty much the puzzles as well the puzzles are really simple but clever so like most of the puzzles in the series you sort of you got to fix machinery because you know this world is all this one of the key things about this 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 world is all the inventions in this sort of universe and yeah so you got to find these like special keys to like turn shit on and the other probably the the, like the biggest uh addition to this game is that you can actually switch between the two timelines to solve puzzles so there might be a instance so there was a puzzle in uh in the game where Kate in 2005 had to find where a key was hidden in this attic or, or this room. Uh, and she was reading like these documents um, that she'd found, right? But the documents didn't have sort of all the information. So then you would jump back in through time. Then you would play the scene out as um, Dana, you know, find out where the, you know, where they put the key kind of thing. And, you, and you'd go back to Kate and there would be context for, for then why she, you know, figured out like the location kind of thing. Um, so, that's, so that's pretty cool. And the two stories that sort of weave together, they work. Um, voice acting, pretty solid uh, for Kate and like Dana. Other characters sort of, you know, when they sort of get down in in the character ladder there they are they sort of it sort of drops drops away and the writing can be a bit funky at times um it does this weird thing where they so they're in central european right but they've all got pretty pretty bang on english accents um but they use the the word fraulein which is means like young lady in german and they frequently use that line that's all it's just like they don't go it's just weird it's it's like it's like a weird I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like you know, you've gone full English, and then they're just throwing out this this word all the time. Um, but you know, none of that really sort of take sort of takes away uh, from from like the whole thing. Um, I quite enjoyed it. I gave it an eight out of ten on the website. Again, like soundtrack uh, by Inon Zer, I think is his name. He's he's done two, three, and and now this one. Um, it just sort of captures, you know, the the intrigue and the charm of of the world. Uh, the only downside to it, I would say, is that the, the textures and the the visuals can look a bit average at times. Like when they're up close, like from afar, you you can you sort of get these vistas of this, you know, this quaint, you know, European city and town. Um, but yeah, up close, it can look a bit rough, and there are a couple of story tw- twists and turns that. You kind of go, you know, can't mate, turn it up, but it, you know, it is what it is. 
Um, so yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. Hmm. Nice. Does it, is it one of those uh, sort of modern point and click games where you, you know basically you're you're moving the character around with the right analog uh, left analog stick and you know so, points of interest pop up? Yes, uh, yes. So you can do that. Sorry, I probably should have ex- explained that a bit better. But with a controller, it, it controls like a like a third person game practically. And it would, it'd be fixed camera angles, a game like that, wouldn't it? No. No. Uh, yes. Sorry. Yes. Yes, but no. So it's okay. I'd say how I I'd say dynamic fixed. So yeah. they're fixed, but they adjust a little ever so kind of slightly. Like pans around or something. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they like pan around, but it can become a bit awkward at times. <clears throat> it's a sort of because there are times where like you'd be walking towards one area and the camera's one angle, but then you're walking back into the area. It's a little bit different, but it's ah that old chestnut. Yeah. Um, but if you want to play with a keyboard and mouse, you, you can go full full blown old school point and click. You point and click like where you want to go, and it'll she'll walk there. You know, you hold the the mouse button down, she'll run kind of thing. So um, you can sort of play it either way. I I played with a controller, um, operating or sorry, doing some of the interactions like turning the keys can be a bit awkward again, like with the uh, controller. But um, it's sort of hard to explain. Like you'd t- like you'd turn the analog, but then it get to a certain point where you'd have to like let go of the analog, start turning again, and it would sort of continue turning. It was, or you'd have to hold it in like a certain point. So instead of turning it full circle, you'd have to like hold it like uh, like th- three o'clock on like on like like a a clock, for example, and it would sort of turn itself around. It was. Um, but they, you know, they were they're like nitpicky little things. They don't really, mm. they don't really like take away from it. Um, but yeah, so there you go. And is Siberia. this the you've said this is the final game in the Siberia series, or from the well, this crew? Yeah, are they I mean, are they wrapping up the like the primary narrative that's being told from this character's perspective? No. Nah. So this right, okay. this this leaves on a pretty big cliffhanger right okay. really um i mean I, I, and i'm sure old mate's got some scribblings and whatnot in a little journal somewhere or yeah i'm sure they've discussed what comes next but yeah. you know it's sort of hard to imagine this world because his art style is i think it's yeah i think i think it's great and i just love kate walker she's just a bit of a badass she's gone from a, a lawyer a to a this like adventurer you know she's almost like she reminds me a lot of like Lara Croft. Like if you looked at her ever so quickly, you you would nearly be thinking that she's Lara Croft. Anyway, yeah, right. There you go. Shouts to my mate. You've got to Kate talk. Mm. Big fan. Lara Croft is your mate. I've got to type. Um. <laughs> all right. Before we get to the ad uh, this week, I've got a quick quick little story for you, and that is. Anna bought Kirby and the Forgotten Lands or whatever it's called, right? Ooh. Returned it the same day. Oh. Oh, well. Too easy. <laughs> Too easy. What, what, what was her... Um, she, 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 I like her verdicts because it's very succinct. What did she say? Too easy. Where's Literally too easy. <laughs> that was it. I thought you were being like, wipe my hands with that. No. Fucked off. Too easy. She was like, nah, this is too easy. She's like, I thought this was going to be like 
This is way too easy. Even on the hardest difficulty, it's way too easy. Okay. Make it play. I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm Time like, introduces yeah. a lands between, mate. I'm like, mate. Set it free. I've, I've told <laughs> you before, Nintendo make kids games. So introduce <laughs> her to my friend, the Tree Sentinel. <laughs> um, so, uh, right. Love a kids game. Uh, We'll now jump to a ad break and we'll hear a message from our sponsors, Manscaped. We've got a new message for you uh, this this month. One that's actually got a important message about testicular cancer. So stick around and see what Ash has to say and maybe, maybe you might get a little sweet discount code at the end. We'll, uh, we'll be back after that break. Smell oh so fresh and so clean this spring and make sure you check yourself before you wreck yourself because the start of spring also marks the start of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month in April and Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to this horrible disease. Men's health, early cancer detection, these are all things that should be on your radar. Manscaped is committing to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. To start your spring cleaning, use the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges. Did we mention it's waterproof as well? No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool. Not to mention you can clear your holes and smell the spring air with the weed whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer comes with proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate crevices. After clearing your nose, make sure to get rid of that foul ball smell with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. For this incredible package, get 20% off and free shipping with the code WELLSHAVED at manscaped.com. Seriously, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code WELLSHAVED at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits, upgrade your life, look after your balls. Alrighty, thanks, thanks Ash for those, uh, those words. And thanks to Manscaped for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, quick question. Let's, uh, you know... We're all, we're all friends here. We can talk about it. You know, I feel like you know we've, we've spoken about our balls before. How often yes, do you, we'll all meet do up you and give yourself the old, to check out the old self? Shut up, John. How often do you have a, do you get give yourself the old self ball check? I've got a story about this, but I'll go later. No, I'll go now. All right, so go on. <laughs> yeah. all right. Um, so uh, yeah, I you start. One thing I do like about Australia is there's usually a pretty good awareness advertising or awareness campaigning around uh, things like prostate and testicular cancer. At least it's something we're improving on. So as a young adult, you know, probably around the age of 20, 21, it's something I was, you know, uh, the campaigns were saying it's if you're in your 20s, it's probably time to start getting aware about this because by the time you're 40, it could be too late in terms of how these things can maliciously develop. So having a bit of a feel around and there's definitely like, a little bit of a lump happening down on my balls. So I'm like, oh, okay, that makes me feel a bit nervous because when you're feeling around down there, unless you've got a reference, at least that's how I feel, unless you've got a reference, you, you've fondled some, I don't know, tumorous balls, I'm just always like <laughs> doubting myself. I know it sounds a bit uh, bleak, but, you know, we're all friends no, no, here. No, like, I definitely, I agree. Like, what does, what is it, you know, what am I looking for? Like, yeah, what am how I lumpy for? should these clinkers be? Yeah, so anyway... A bit. There's the intro for the week. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there's definitely a lump. Like there's just a solid bit of you know about the size of an M M&M and M that's sort of sitting right under the right under the skin there. So I'm moving around between my thumb and forefinger. Like yeah, this is enough for concern. I'm going to go see a doctor. 
So at the time I was in Hobart and there wasn't any, there's no, no longer really any bulk billing GPs down there. And I was a university student with only a few cents to rub together. So I've gone and seen one of the few remaining bulk billing clinics. And I've got this uh, small Asian gentleman of a doctor that I've never seen before. He's not too chatty, but I've said to him, look, mate, I've got to be upfront with you. I've got a lump on my balls. Not sure how to feel about it. I just need a second opinion. So he goes, okay, show us your balls. And I go, huh? Because in my mind, I'm thinking he's going to, you know, push his glasses up his nose and go, okay, all right, let's examine your testicles. But he's gone, no, let's see your balls. And he just kind of looks at my chest because, you know, I'm, I'm like six foot and he's like five and a half or something. He's just kind of making stern eye contact with my chest as his hands go down. And he has a bit of a fondue and, uh, yep, take, takes off his glove afterwards. It's important to know that he was gloved, of course. He takes off his glove, looks... Glove looks very self satisfied. He goes, Nah, it's just fat lump. And I go, Oh, <laughs> it's just fat lump. Be fine. Bye. Like, this guy's not chatty. So I've gone, All right, it's a fat lump. Don't know what that means. See you later. Check out WebMD later. Fat lumps. Yeah, apparently you just get a little like hardening of fluid or something in the uh, ball region, you know, when the, when the piss starts to crystallize down there. So, uh, yeah, nothing to worry about, and it was gone in a couple of weeks. But uh, I've, since then, very reluctantly do I ever check. Because I never know. Do I want to have that interaction again? Probably see, not. See, I'm I'm glad that you went, though. Like, that's uh, not a lot of people probably would, you know, would have oh, the got balls in my head to about sort it. of go and... Uh, no, nah, just, mate, you just got to do it. I'm, uh, yeah. I was shy guy the first time. I basically asked the doctor to stick his fingers up my ass once, and he refused. So, because I was like, mate, I'm I'm late twenties. I need well, to get you my were there for a cold, and you just came like, out of the blue. I was like, like, I've got mate, a cough. Like, Can you, you stick know. two up there? Look, look, I'm worried. You know, maybe I what? should get like. How are you supposed yeah, to my, gauge the temperature? My prostate checked, and he's like, Nah, you don't need it. I'm like, Are you sure? I'm like, I'm offering you this Thank opportunity you. right now. Yeah, and uh, and you know, and from then, oh, you know, shut down by the doctor. But um, you know, I've been. Uh, <laughs> it's the worst first date you've ever been on, I reckon. I want to quickly um, piggyback on that. And he, and he charged me seventy bucks for the fucking pleasure too. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just so quickly, um, around the same period of time as I was having this anxiety, I thought that I'll go to the doctor as a kind of forward measure and be like. You know, what's the deal? Like, how often should I be getting should I be getting prostate examinations? Because obviously, this is something that was on my mind. And again, it was a GP I hadn't seen before, female, and I was very upfront. You know, should I be getting my prostate examined? When should I? You know, is this something I should even do today? And no word of a lie, didn't even acknowledge the question. She goes, "Hmm, I've got a flu shot I can offer you." Didn't want to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there for a flu shot. I mean, it was winter, but. Thanks for the thought. That was a very unproductive discussion. 70 bucks for the pleasure. See you next time. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. Right. What a deflection. It's, it's funny, you bring fantastic. Up the, funny you bring up the earlier story, though, because Adam was telling me about this time he was in Hobart impersonating a bulk filling doctor. <laughs> and uh, there, there was a guy that came in talking about his balls. And, you Adam's know, a big boy, though, so I'm not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure he could uh, pass for a five-and-a-half-foot <laughs> man. Um, but no, it's good. Like, I definitely check... Probably like once a month, yeah. If I'm okay. having a, like a proper. There was one time I got hit real badly. Um, I know this this potty this podcast has taken a very weird turn, um, <laughs> but it's important to uh, talk about. You know, I got hit playing sport like one time, and it really fucking hey, hurt. Hey, and hey, I was gamers, we don't play sport, and I fucking swear I was like in my head I'm I'm paranoid now. I'm just gonna that's just gonna turn into a lump. 
that's that's going to give me fucking testicular cancer. Never has yet, so. But mm. always important to check. Yeah, Adam. you would have had a rough time watching a jackass forever, mate. <laughs> oh, mate, that gave me. <laughs> this, this Adam, just... how often do you check? Every couple of weeks, you got to dance around there that's just it. to Good man. just to stay familiar, mate. Just so you know, if if that's something it. does crop up that's a, a bit out of the blue, you got to know what's what's normal for you. Every time you manscape, I say. That, Fair. That's a good benchmark. Fair. Uh, Jordan? Uh, about once a week, because uh, once a week I do like a really thorough, thorough shower on top of a normal shower, so I just get it over and done with then. The double good shower. Man. Big fan Damn. of that. Yeah, nice. I buried the lead. I'm like once every six months now. <laughs> nah. You I'm just, not proud you just of gotta, it. Nah, just go for it. I mean, at the what's the worst case? You, mm. you got fucking cancer. You see, like you don't want that. Nobody wants that. He's got All because you don't want to shower. Real tall. Hands down there, mate. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk uh, very, very, very quickly. Well, actually, while we're on the topic of health and that, uh, I was lucky enough to receive the Huawei GT3 uh, fitness watch the other week, last week, uh, and. Not gonna, I'm not going to talk like, talk about it much, but uh, it's so far so good. If, you, if you're looking for like a fit, I mean, I've got no real co- like concept of how good these watches are across the board, but this one's pretty good. Like the, uh, the main thing I'm, I'm taking, because I used to be quite fit, play like a lot of sports, hurt my foot, stopped playing sports, not really that quite fit anymore. I was, I was at the doctor quite recently and I'm like, look, mate, I do like, you know, just for like a general checkup. And I was like, look, I, you know, I do between ten to 15,000 steps a day at work. And he's like, yeah, that's great for your bones, but that's not doing shit for your heart. So I was like, oh, I didn't even like, he goes, you know, you've got to get that that heart going. So apart from watching the Phantom once a week, you know, I've, I've got to find <laughs> other ways to get the heart, the heart racing. So I've got this watch and this watch is my commitment to getting fit. So I'm going to have an article up on Wellplayed at some point um, because we all sit down quite a bit. Uh, people who play games, you know, you got to keep exercising and look after yourself. When I was a bit younger, I would have been like, mate, turn it up, fucking take your You health. know what he should do to, to aid in his review for this? Ring Fit Adventure. I have started to, I've, I do, I have played that. Nah, um, too so, easy. Yeah, so, well, that'll beat Saber. It's a kid's game. So I've been going for runs and, you know, it tracks like all your data and all your sleep. This, the sleep is the, definitely the most interesting one for me because I've always been a bit of a shit sleeper. So right right now I'm rocking about 12 to 18% deep sleep. So I've got to try and crank those numbers up. Um, what, so for reference, what's the what's a normal percentage? Do we know what the point of yeah, reference so is? Yeah, so the app, so the Huawei Health app, if you want to get on that. If you ever oh, that's just propaganda. Devices, the, <laughs> that's just deep sleep propaganda. propaganda. So it says uh, your deep sleep should be should be between twenty to sixty percent. I got seventeen percent last night. Um, your light sleep, I had fifty two percent. Right, REM sleep, which is where your dreams occur, uh, should be between ten and thirty percent. I had thirty one percent. I slept for six hours and twenty minutes. Do you sleep with your phone within arm reach? Uh, yes, but I never look look at it. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's a trap anyway. right there, but no, good on you. Yeah, so I'm going to do that, and everyone else should get on board with getting fit. Oh, so you're saying that we're all getting the Huawei watch for free? Saying you're all unfit, really? so you need to fucking... 
no, get shout. off get off your ass and run. Uh, the Huawei watch is the one I've got is three ninety nine. It's actually really sexy too. It's it's uh, super real like sexy. A, like a proper watch, not those square fucking Apple Apple jobbies. Um, but uh, casting some brown shade, mate. Nah, nah. The Apple watch is. Man, good. What's with the, the brown paint today? <laughs> oh my god! I'll just leave. This podcast has fucking absolutely gone off the rails. <laughs> Uh, shall we talk jorts or should we talk go to news? What how long have we been going for? Jorts oh, probably for quick. Twenty minutes. Oh my god, father! Be quick jorts, wouldn't it? I oh, think we'll three we'll, of us are going to we'll say do jorts next trip. week. Yeah, no one's keeping for anything in the first week. That's um, it. Let's go to the news. Anything we can quickly wrap through? I mean, Sons of the Forest has been delayed until October. Holly wrote that piece up on the website. Uh, if you if you like Ghostwire, no, sorry, not Ghostwire, uh, Golf Club Wasteland, uh, the studio ne- uh, Demagogue, they have actually announced a platformer which is inspired by Sega classics like Aladdin, Lion King, and Jungle Book called The Cub, which is actually set inside the same world. We'll have a, a soundtrack quite similar, so it's another take on radio nostalgia. That looks quite cool. So it's a different sort of spin. You, you actually play as the survivor that you have that you come across in that game uh bloodborne cart was announced yeah it was which, is, yeah. which is that sort of demake ps1 looking it's from the bloodborne. same developer yeah the bloodborne um was it the demake the bloodborne the bloodborne is that what it's called okay yeah, bloodborne, yeah. Bloodborne and, and just for clarity or context the fan base jordan knows this the fan base has been calling out for a bloodborne cart for years Yes, it started it's as a joke, but now everyone's thing. just like, at this point, we'll take it because we're not getting the sixty FPS Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, probably the biggest news, maybe. You just went through it. <laughs> uh, so GT, I don't know if you guys discussed this last week because I haven't got up to that part of the podcast yet. But did you just talk about Gran Turismo Seven? Nah, it, it like. Every other time we do the podcast, it happens just after. No, but I guess so. Okay. Well, this news has been sort of going on for a while, but uh, since the reviews come out, Gran Turismo or, sorry, Polyphony. Polyphony? Fuck, I always fuck that, eh? Yeah. Polyphony Digital, they basically stitched up everyone by, you know, rearranging all the, the microtransactions and how much cash it takes to get certain uh cars and you know jacking up the prices of certain cars so they pissed off a lot of people they basically come out and said sorry we fucked up we'll give you a million credits and there are going to be changes coming to the game uh updates which will come into effect beginning of april uh increase rewards in the event in the latter half of the world circuits by approximately 100 percent on average addition of high rewards for clearing the circuit experience in uh, in all gold or bronze results uh, increase of rewards in online races include a total of eight new one-hour endurance race events to missions. Uh, these will also have high reward settings. Increase the upper limit of non-paid credits in player wallets from 20 mil credits to 100 mil credits and increase the quantity of used and legend cars on offer at any given time. Uh, and there's some other stuff sort of going on there. But uh, this is this has copped a, a lot of backlash. This is the most hated PlayStation game on Metacritic. Uh, with the lowest user review score of any PlayStation game. Damn, beating out the order. Can't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a bit surprised. I, I always felt like Sony had a relatively 
you know, good handle on these sorts of things, and they've just absolutely shit the bed here. Um, yeah, it's disappointing, especially like the game. If you buy it on PS Five, it's a hundred. What is one hundred and twenty-five bucks? It's or a hundred and nineteen. Yeah. Like that's bullshit to then expect people to drop money for cars within the game, especially like it. Nothing shits me more than pulling the 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 crash cart racing whatever that is where they got great reviews everything was going along fine and then they fundamentally change progression mm. to gear it towards microtransactions like when you reviewed it Zach the microtransactions were there but they were yeah, they weren't live uninter- you couldn't buy anything because I looked I looked to see how much they would cost but there was nothing there but even progression like it was unintrusive no. it wasn't yeah. ridiculous I never felt I needed it. I never felt, yeah, I, I exactly. always, always felt I had enough money to buy the next car I needed to continue on. The only time Which, I ever did, did did the grind was when I was like, fuck, I want one of those hot little babies, those Castrol race cars. I'm, I'm saving up for one of those. Um, and see that, that I agree with that. Like it shouldn't be, they shouldn't be throwing credits at you where you can buy hyper cars and concept cars, you know, mm. an hour into the game. You do want something to strive towards and you want to have that, that, endorphin feeling moment where you finally get this awesome car i don't want that to be gone but to fuck over the player base with the false pretense of the game Mm. actually allowing you to purchase cars to then pull the rug and you know oh sorry yeah that's a very i I would need part of me almost wanted to go back and just i don't know change it but yeah it's like it's bullshit that is bullshit but the reviews which i mean i i mm. I also did think expect out- this to happen. Yeah. I knew that. outlets, I think, should... If if they do want to go back and change their score, go for it. I mean, the game went back mm. and fundamentally changed their progression. I mean, it's definitely not the same thing. But, but no. yeah, it's yeah, it's shit. It just... um, uh, Yeah, like, you know... Anyway. I find uh, it a hard pill to swallow with single cars costing as much as the game itself. That, that's, yes. that's a tough sell. <laughs> that's fucked. I, I will say, though, the the million credits that you get um, if you played the game before a certain date, instead of using it wisely, a couple mates and I decided we wanted to get a Fiat 500, like one from the 60s, and spend as much money on it as possible to race them. <laughs> and we ended up dropping, like, I think 500,000 just what? fucking around with these Fiats. Uh, and they were still shit. But it was fun. <laughs> it was it was a fun it was a fun little journey to go on. So I don't regret it one bit. I think I read that they wanted to have some cars cost the same amount as their real life counterparts. I don't know if that was if that's true or not. But some of the, like the yeah, there was a extent. statement where they were trying to justify the the price here as being a matter of relativity. Yeah, you know, right, like yeah. That. If this is going to be most one of the most expensive cars you can get in real life, then we're going to make sure you work for it in game. We're going to make sure you bust ass, and this is unachievable. Yeah. Which is a, a bit bad faith, perhaps. Yeah, shit ass. Um, it also didn't other... help that the game was unplayable for like two or three days or something. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, sorry, yeah, that was that. That was the other thing. True. And this is the problem with the online only aspect of the game, which it, I don't think it fucking needs. Why does it? No, need it absolutely doesn't. doesn't. Um, Red yeah. flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what you get. Anyway, um, speaking of PlayStation, they rumors are so this this could have already come out by the time this gets. Uh, published because that's how PlayStation like to operate. Um, 
but they could reportedly be revealing it's a Game Pass competitor this week, uh, which is known as Spartacus. So the reports came from, or they started from Bloomberg, uh, who pretty much said that based on people who have they've spoken to sources, uh, they will reveal, uh, they could re- reveal uh, this service as early as this week, uh, and it will do so. And they'll, uh, sorry, when and when it does launch. It will do so with a splashy lineup of hit games from recent years. Um, where this service will differ from Game Pass is that it is not expected that huge PlayStation ti- uh, first-party titles like, like you got a War Ragnarok will land on this service day one, which is not a big surprise, personally. I'm not shocked by that. Um, is anybody shocked by that at all? Nah, not from Sony, I don't think. Especially cause considering they have such a strong mm-hmm. first-party offering. Like, not to... I don't want to shit on Xbox, but their first-party titles, when they come day and date, it, it's awesome. But it, it, it kind of just, oh, I will actually play that now, rather than oh, I was probably going to wait for it to go on sale. Whereas a lot of Sony titles seem to be you're going to spend money on it regardless. So, nah, it doesn't But that's like also the... Well, this, is no, this is another downside of my personal thoughts of Game Pass. It devalues, I think, some titles. Like, yeah, it kind of makes them feel like junk food in a sense. Yeah. It's like, so readily available. Like, PlayStation just making making that you making you buy that. Making you buy that big AAA title has that elusiveness about you know or not elusive that's that's like the wrong word like that appeal like it's you know it's a big that title yeah. um whereas it's like hey you know it's on game pass whatever it's just so it kind of makes me lower my expectations whereas i know that playstation first parties are going to be yeah hits. well mostly is there anything you'd look forward to if this service goes live with some of the rumors that they're offering? For example, I'd be real keen if I can get to play some of the, you know, PS3 hits without having to mm. dust off the PS3, you know, play some Resistance and Ratchet and Clank. So be... PS3, I, th- I think that's the era that I'd be most keen on. Like PlayStation 1 and 2, don't get me wrong, I there are certain games on those consoles that I love dearly, but they are fucking dated and I don't think... I'd be as keen on jumping back into them on a regular basis. But if I can go back and play like infamous one and two, just because yep. I love those games violently, yep. I'd, I mean, I'd love that. And they're, they're modern enough where they can still hold my attention and not hurt my eyes at the same time. So yeah, PS3, I think would be, would be awesome to see. Hmm. I'm probably the opposite. I think PS3 is probably not quite old enough to have that appeal for me just yet. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, but I would like. Did, did you ever play the game called Rain on PS3, where you play as the little boy? Yeah, I wouldn't mind playing. I didn't play it, but I did have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. know of it. Um, when you yeah, when you mentioned that, I'm wouldn't mind playing that game. But yeah, like I think PS2 games, I think I would I would like to go back and and play PS1. There was some cool yeah. stuff like that, like Rain. Like I remember, the, I think it was the yeah. Unfinished Swan might have been. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rain was actually really a PlayStation exclusive. I'm pretty sure by yeah, right. J- Japan. I think, you're right. I think. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, GT Online Plus is a thing. It's like a subscription version. <laughs> uh, I haven't actually read about this. I've seen the the pictures. Let me jump to this article from Presta. 
and our boy KV. Uh, GTA Plus is a new subscription for GTA Online exclusive. Uh, sorry, for GTA Online exclusive to PS5 and Series X and S. Uh, the service offers subscribers a range of benefits that includes a recurring monthly deposit of 500k into the player's bank accounts. Their gaming bank accounts, not, not their real life one. Special vehicle upgrades, member discounts, uh, GTA dollars and RP bonuses, and a chance to claim properties in and around Los Santos. Uh, what do we think about this? Fucking that is taking the fucking piss. This game is approaching ten years old. Get fucked. <laughs> that's that's my opinion on it. I think I, this is that's a good the most oh. ludicrous thing. Once upon a time, years and years back, it was kind of sold to people that the players were going to run the economy on GTA Online, and I yeah. love that. And we're so far from that. Like this is such a little capitalist dog of a game now. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's why I see a lot of friends of mine going to like the sort of modded, unofficial role play servers, like where like pixel and stuff. Exactly, yeah. the no pixel. I haven't looked into it, but it seems to be booming. And it's where they just take off the unnecessary restrictions, take off the monetary you know, caps and all the MTX and just go wild. And people mm. seem to be thriving. So this just seems sus. Yeah, a bit of a, bit of a dog move, in my opinion, for a, a really old game. Um, like you need yeah. another subscription in 2022. Death by a thousand cuts. The only feature I could see this being really good for, if they ever added it, they won't because it's Rockstar, is if the subscription allowed for you to have private lobbies. Because one of the most fucking annoying things in GTA Online is when you're setting up for a heist and some piece of shit just comes and ruins everything. Yeah. No, I, I, I can get around that. I, I agree, though. I don't, but I that don't should be a fucking will. basic function of the game. Oh, yeah. It'll never happen, though. I, I agree. You shouldn't charge no, or something. It's shit house. You say uh, that, but I mean, you know, the consoles charge to play online. Um, I'm not a. I don't mind that personally. I I do. I think it's a bit stupid to have to pay an extra sub to play a, a part of a game already bought. Uh, uh, I mean, I would say that you're using PlayStation's service rather than the actual game itself. Sure, but, but I mean, other platform holders do it without charging you. Like who? It's pretty much just PC these days, though. Yeah, like Valve. Yeah. yeah, PC. Valve, EA, Ubisoft. What? Yeah, because you play on Ubisoft servers when you use Ubisoft. Sh- don't give them ideas, mate. But isn't that on <laughs> yeah. PC? Is, isn't that on PC? Yeah, but that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's well, like that's it's yeah, predominantly well, so a console thing because. Yeah, well, that's how it is. That's what it is in, in console land, mate. But I mean, even those folks all have their own subscription services as well. But of arguably more value. I mean, you could say that, you know, if, if, if this new Spartacus thing, you know, if that includes a bunch of other shit and online play, I mean, I'm, I don't really mind that. I'm fine with that. It's what, 80 bucks a year? We'll see. We shall yeah, see. Yeah, I suppose so. It'll definitely be announced in... Oh, let's say about five hours. So, well, we'll um, do we just want to keep it rolling for five hours then? Make it like yeah, a uh, like podcast. If it does get announced, we're, we're going to be jumping in right now. 
And right on cue, about half an hour after we wrapped up our recording, PlayStation dropped the news uh, of the new PlayStation Plus uh, service. So I'm going to quickly read through the uh, key information from the PlayStation blog post that big old Jimbo, uh, our mate Jimbo Ryan put up. Uh, all new PlayStation Plus launches in June with, with 700 plus games and more value than ever. Uh, since launching in PlayStation Plus in 2010, blah, blah, blah. Today we are pleased to share with you the official news about the changes coming to our subscription services, blah, blah, blah. It will come in. It will launch in June, and essentially there is three tiers, uh, as that's been rumoured. Uh, the first one is PlayStation Plus Essential, which is uh, essentially the same as what you get now uh, for PlayStation Plus with your two monthly games, discounts, uh, cloud storage, and online multiplayer access. Uh, the cost of that, now this is based on uh, US pricing. I did sort of convert it in the news post I put up, but uh, US pricing, you're looking at $9.99 a month and 60 bucks a year. For Australia, that works out to be uh, 13 bucks a month and 80 bucks a year. So pretty much what we pay now, I think. Yeah, roundabouts, 80, yeah. 80 bucks a year, yeah. Um, then you've got PlayStation Plus Extra, which is uh, all those same benefits as well as... Uh, adds a catalogue of up to 400 of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games, including blockbuster hits from our PlayStation Studios catalogue and third-party partners. Uh, games in the extra tier are downloadable for play, and that will be 15 or 14.99 uh, uh, per month and 100 bucks a month US, which uh, equals uh, 20 bucks a month here and 133 dollars a year. Um, sorry, does say 20 bucks a year? No, 20 bucks a month. I think you got it. Yeah, cool. Uh, cool. And then you got the PlayStation Plus Premium, which is the big boy. Uh, that, prov again, provides uh, a bit like the Kickstarter rewards, provides all the benefits of the uh, lower tiers, but also adds, I'm just going to read it all because I can't remember if how much is different here, adds up to 340 additional games, including PS3 games available via cloud streaming, a catalog of beloved classics uh, from the PS uh, from the PlayStation, PS2, and PSP generations, offers cloud streaming access for original PlayStation, PS2, PSP, and PS4 games, offered in the extra and premium tier in markets. Uh, there's some little asterisks there. Sorry, and uh, in those markets where PlayStation Now is currently available, and you can also stream games using your PS4 and PS5 consoles and PC. Uh, also, time-limited game trials will also be offered, so you can try before you buy. That is $17.99 a month and $120 a month US, which equals uh, $24 a month and $160 a year here. But it doesn't matter because we're not going to get that one because we don't. Australia does not support cloud streaming. So already we're not off to a great start with this. However, uh, to make sure we don't miss out on everything, uh, there is a sort of fourth tier that is for select markets that don't have the cloud streaming and that is called the playstation plus deluxe uh which will include uh sorry it'll, it'll be a lower price compared to premium but there is no pricing available as of yet and it includes a catalog of beloved classics again from uh, playstation ps2 uh psp that you can download so there is no streaming uh, as well as the the time limited game trials so and also yeah, uh, the benefits from extra and essential tiers uh so that's pretty much the the three or to four tiers are, are going to be available they do talk about 
how they will or they are looking at expanding the cloud streaming services. Uh, I think is it after launch? I, I can't I can't recall. I think they just um, said at a later date this year, so yeah, I don't right. think it was really yeah. specified. Yeah, so at some point in the future, I would say that Australia will get cloud streaming. Uh, just won't be at launch. The other key uh, takeaway is that at launch, you'll get games like Death Stranding, God of War, Marvel, Spider-Man, and Miles Morales, Mortal Kombat 11, and Returnal. It's a bit weird how they've just thrown in Mortal Kombat 11 there. Uh, uh, it's like the, Ash, Ash asked to do the it. only non-PlayStation uh, published title there. That's pretty much it. Uh, that's like that's the news. But then, before we talk about, uh, before we go into the the quick discussion, uh, Big L Jimbo did do an interview with GamesIndustry.biz, and he did confirm that PlayStation first party titles will not launch day one on that service because he believes that in doing so, that will impact the quality of the games that are being developed. Uh, he does go on to say that never say never, but as of right now, at this point in time. Uh, it's not something that they're going to do. All right. What do we think? What What do we think? Clearly, this is not a one one to one Game Pass competitor. So, I don't think it would, probably was ever going to be. Um, but the, pro- but, the yeah, price tag we... suggests, though. It's, uh... It does. Mm. It does. Or potential. But I think tag. it's interesting that you say that because isn't it? cheaper across the year or am i making that up i thought i read that uh, and maybe that might not be australian pricing um, yeah but i thought i read somewhere that per year i don't know again i don't know which tier uh, uh probably anyway, just anyway. maybe at, at the highest end probably a bit cheaper because game pass ultimate isn't the cheapest thing how much is Game Pass Ultimate per month? Isn't it like twenty? Fifteen ninety five. Yeah, it's like sixteen oh, a month. Okay, oh, okay, no, definitely not the highest end then. Uh, okay, sorry. So, so this is where I read it. This is coming from the GamesIndustry.biz article that I read, and it says, in comparison to Xbox offering the PS Plus Premium tier carries a higher monthly cost. However, where Sony's been competitive is with the annual pricing. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, gotcha. So, yeah, that's what it sort of says there. Anyway, uh, okay, tell me what yeah, you. Th- yeah. Thought. Yeah, look, I, I think I'll just pour one out because I was hedging my bets so I'd be able to open up the PS3 catalogue in an interesting way. They might be able to pursue emulation here and so that we might get, you know, sort of maybe better quality renditions of some of those older titles like we've seen uh, Xbox do with their backwards compatibility. But no, it looks like uh, with the cloud streaming, it's not going to be emulation. They're just going to be sort of, yeah, just running the PS3 games as is and whether we actually get them in Australia is up in the air. And that was the real draw for the catalogue for me. Not the uh, not the PS2, not the PS1 titles. You know, maybe there'll be some gems pop up in there. And the PSP seems a bit of an odd choice as well, especially when you consider that Agreed. the uh, Vita could have maybe had a bit of a shot here as well, potentially. It wouldn't have been, uh, yeah, it wouldn't have been out of sight. So, hmm cautiously optimistic the, i did i haven't read a lot about it because i haven't had that much time to sort of pour over all the all the info but i believe that because of the architecture and jordan you you might have seen this that they could they can't do proper uh, uh on the ps3 games uh, it's, yeah, yeah. So cell architecture is stupid basically like it's good right. but it makes emulating it really inefficient and 
Uh, mm. Being able to do that in such a, a closed environment as a console like the PS4 or the PS5 is just uh, re- really difficult. I'd I'd suggest more the emulating on the PS4 than the PS5. Right. Uh, and I also read that the PS5. I didn't wasn't aware of this because people were sort of. And I do kind of agree that uh, where Xbox is good with this is that if you own a earlier Xbox title, you can just whack it into the, the console and play it. Here, uh, you won't be able to play your old. You know, it, even though this this new service supports the older uh, generations, you if you have bought a game, it's a physical version. Tough titties. If you want to play it again, you'll have to download it again. Um, so you, yeah, you are limited to as to what catalog PlayStation will offer. And one of the alleged reasons for that, and I'm pretty sure that you maybe oh. hinted at, was the fact that the so, laser. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So the PS5 uh, disc version does not actually read CDs. Didn't know. Which I was not. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that either. Haven't whacked a CD uh-uh. in there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so there you go. You can christen and yours with. Oh, I was going to say you could christen yours with thirty seconds to Mars, but no. No, he's in Nickelback. No, I'm good. Uh, so yeah, Adam, what are you? Uh, what are you thinking? Um, unfortunately, as I said last night, I was most keen for or a couple of minutes ago for listeners. I suppose I was most keen for the PS3 games. <laughs> And out of everything, that's the thing that we're missing out on, which is very unfortunate. I got my hopes up for Infamous 1 and 2 to to jump back into those. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, that's not the case. Like the missing out on cloud streaming, I don't, I can't say I care a great deal. Um, I think if given the, the option, I'm always going to download something rather than stream it for the most part, um, especially when it comes to older games like well, that where they're... To. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. I don't have a choice, but the I can't imagine the download size for these is going to be particularly large, being that they're the older titles. Um, so I don't really see that as much of a setback. I mean, I think it's really cool that PS1, PS2, and yeah, PSP is a weird one. I completely agree, Nathan. I think Vita would have been a, a better, more natural fit, um, especially because the Vita was like the companion to the PS4, which really wasn't that long ago. And the console kicked ass. Everyone should remember and, how good the Vita not, was not to mention that the PS Vita ran PSP games as well yeah exactly but you know we can just forget about those gems that are on Vita anyway I'm going to go down a rabbit hole if I keep going in that direction um I think it's a decent foundation that maybe they'll build on over time um it's hard to say at the moment I guess because we don't know like we know that there's 300 games that'll be on the the base service but we don't really know what any of those are outside of those few playstation titles that they uh, announced it's just 300 different editions of uh troll and i <laughs> there's a market for that old old dylan would be getting around it i'm sure <laughs> um but yeah i think i'll be more excited maybe when they start to announce what that exact lineup is going to look like because if there are a few little gems here and there that i'm keen on getting that I've kind of ummed and ahed over when they're on sale, then yep, sure. It'll justify its price. Like I'm going to continue getting PlayStation plus regardless to play online and get the free monthly games. So if there are a couple of games here and there that I'm keen on that are within that service, then sure. I'll throw a couple extra bucks at it, but yeah, it like, it didn't blow my socks off, but I also 
didn't expect it to. Game Pass, when it first... Not that I really want to make that comparison. Um, when that first launched, it was exciting to think about, but it wasn't massively exciting in practice. So I'd assume this is probably going to be a similar situation where it'll have a good framework, but it probably won't come into its own for maybe six, eight, 12 months down the track. Before I respond to that, Jordan, give us your thoughts. Um, I mean, like everyone else, I'm a bit bummed that uh, the PS3 stuff isn't included properly. Uh, I'm very much against be. cloud streaming. It will be, though. Uh, it will be. Yeah, eventually. In, in a sense that isn't cloud oh, streaming. Sorry. The streaming, sorry, yes, no, yes. Yeah. If you're talking about downloadable, then yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, I, I would prefer to be able to, you know, download the games I'm playing in just because I don't trust the NVN. Um, you, know what you, you know what you could do? Don't say get a PS3. Yeah, <laughs> get a PS3. I've got one. I can... Uh, I, I don't know, see, I have one. The thing is, play the because, because I play my consoles through my capture card, that's really fucking annoying. <laughs> Sitting it from PS3 on a capture card. How okay? How often are you, you going to play PS3 games? Let's be honest. Everyone bangs on about how amazing backwards compatibility is, but who the hell? Here's are you the playing thing, all right? I think like actually played last year on my PS3. I, I would actually play it a lot because I missed out on the PS3. <laughs> you missed out on some bangers if you missed out on PS3. I, I did, and that's why I want to play it. But yeah, you well, know, yeah, go go to like cash converters, mate. They're probably like two cents. In um in fact. <laughs> In fairness, though, Zach, I do agree with the backwards compatibility thing. Like when Xbox started really going on their rampage of backwards compatibility and everyone was praising it. I tell you what, the people that I know personally that were lauding it, saying it was the greatest move ever, I have not heard them talk about one old or older generation game that they've decided to go back and revisit. They want the option, but, but they don't necessarily use that option once it's given to I'm them. I'm going to tell you what it's like. It's like sitting down and having a conversation with people. Pe- people. 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 <laughs> wow, tell people. us what you really think of them. <laughs> <laughs> who, who want and reminisce about the good times of the polywaffle. And then oh, I fuck bet the polywaffle. If the, the polywaffle came back, that shit would be off the shelves again within 6 to 12 months because for lack of sales. People want what they can't, what they can't get and then when they get it, and they've had it once or twice, they stop using it. Um, that's to me what backwards backwards compa- compatibility is, is the poly waffle. <laughs> I I appreciate that more than most because my first job was working in a candy store, and that exact thing happened. Fucking love the poly waffle, by the way. Nah, um, they're shit house, mate. They're so overrated. Get off my. They're they're, they're the scholar pie of a uh, of candy. <laughs> They taste about as good. I'm not buying. Amazing. (laughs) Anyway, my my comeback or my rebuttal to you, Adam, is that PlayStation. Okay, sorry. Game Pass wise, Microsoft had to do something. They were lagging behind. They were falling behind. PlayStation was kicking their asses in sales software, so they had to do something. And this is this has worked well for them. Yeah. I think we've seen that the the cost has maybe come on the software side. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's like tons of it, but none of it's really been amazing. And I think PlayStation could just keep doing what PlayStation does because it works for them. And and, I... and even now, like it, it, the PS5 or the PlayStation consoles are still outselling the Xbox Okay, a, a rebuttal to your comment there 
No. I would argue that Xbox's catalogue uh, wasn't very great to begin with, so I wouldn't say that was a price of Game Pass. I would say that's a... No, but I'm, but, but I'm saying even though we've seen like your Halos or you've seen like other games, I mean, Forza's probably the only one that can probably argue against that as being a top-tier AAA yep. game. Um <clears throat> Whereas nothing else that that's come from, from this, you know, we all get the impression that they're Game Pass games now. So you, that, that that monetary side is like taken away from it. So it doesn't feel like, and that that's sort of what I was saying a few minutes ago, if we, um, on the uh, podcast. But yeah, so I think PlayStation didn't really have to do this, and that's why the effort. No, absolutely, sort of you're right. Yeah, um, weaker. Um, I, and I, I, I don't I, think it was ever going to be like as big. Sorry, Jordan. I don't think it was ever going to be as big as Game Pass. They just don't need to do it. Like they've, and, you know, and they've even said, like, we're going to sell you one hundred twenty-five dollar AAA single-player twenty to thirty-hour games, and you're going to buy it. And we know you're going to buy it because they're going to be good. So there you go. But yeah. the question I do have is, uh, and I'm sure everyone has asked themselves, is how long will, is that time frame going to be? Because what when did Returnal come out? May at uh, uh, March? Sorry, last year. Yeah. Or March or, or April, it's been about yeah. twelve months, hasn't I it? it? I think, it was, yeah. 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 So, I, I like. I wonder how long uh, between release to this plus service it, it's going to be for these first party games. Jordan, you you were going to say something? Um, yeah. On top of that, I, I agree. Uh, they didn't didn't really need to have a, a Game Pass competitor, and I think it's smarter of them to to not offer their games on Game Pass immediately, just because. Probably the biggest consequence of Game Pass is it eats into, like your immediate, your launch game sales. C- can you imagine the figures for for Bandai Namco if they had put Elden Ring on Game Pass? They would have had more players, but their launch mm. figures would have looked shit in comparison. Because yeah. selling, say, say on average, you know, eighty dollars for a copy of Elden Ring, selling that twelve million units in such a short time frame would look not as good as if they had twenty million players. And fifteen of them, fifteen million of that was from Game Pass. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, um, the what uh, what Jim Ryan did say is that uh, you know when profits, uh, no, I think I'm paraphrasing his words, but profits go down, budgets go down. So um, you know they would their games or their first party studios wouldn't get as big a budgets because if they just just put them all on this service, there wouldn't be as much. Um, you know, wouldn't wouldn't be as much money coming in, and that, that's sort of what Phil Big Phil Spencer has said before. Um, that I don't think he's really said those words, uh, but the Game Pass essentially isn't massively profitable. It's sustainable, but not. Um, it it's basically like a loss leader. I mean, the other thing is though, and this is the other side of it, is that PlayStation only rakes in that money when they have a big release. Yeah. which is what, two or three times a year, maybe four at most. Um, and Xbox is getting that, what did we say it was? $16, $17 a month yeah. from fucking, what, 40 million people, whatever it is, 25 million people each month. So, so you know, so they're getting a solid stream of income constantly, whereas PlayStation just sort of, you know, like a big film, just rakes it in at one, you know, when it comes out. But... Anyway, I think yeah, I, th- I think what both companies are, are doing are, are working well for them. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, for sure. So. And it, it does a it does a good job at separating the two rather than making it all feel 
uh, homogenized because like mm. these services they're starkly different. Yeah, like, you you can't really uh, compare and contrast because they offer such different experiences. Absolutely, All right. and I'm I'm glad of that. It's a very good point, Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. Closing thoughts well, from me. I reckon Battlefield 2042 will launch on the service. Fuck yeah. No, 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 because then they had to lower the price because it devalues it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the question with that is, does d- does it come to both services? Because it's part yeah. of EA. Because it, it had to, to come to EA Play? No. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah EA Play. Uh, you, you, um, you'd hope so. Who knows? Game's dead. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. That game, yeah, not good. Not good. Yeah, it should it should get uh, as much traffic as Babylon's Fall because that's a blockbuster. Okay, okay. Just I, I know we this is we are completely <laughs> re-recording the new bit here, but something that someone posted it might have even been you, Jordan. Is that true? That the demo peaked at like thirty five. That, that wasn't me the poster, that. but I'd believe it because that that game had no people playing it when it launched. Like Steam players peaked at like three fifty or something on launch. <laughs> oh my yeah, god! Right. Like under that's a so thousand. brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to jump out of this bit of the podcast and probably going to go back to the off topics. But, you know, to be honest, if you're listening to that, you probably might as well just turn off now because that is an absolute train wreck. I think we just <laughs> talk about fondling balls. So, yeah. no, we've already done that. Ah, cool. um, uh, so, thank you for this little time warp thingy. We'll probably speak more about it next week if there's more info coming out because big old Greggy Miller reckons there's three things happening this week for PlayStation. We've just got the first one. So, Adam, you think one of them is going to be a Sly Cooper announcement? I do. Uh, and I think it'll be something to do with God of War. But Let's let's see who wins. We'll chat next week. Also, I'll take an jam, order to ju- sequel. Just to jam it in there, Breath of the Wild 2 got delayed. Oh, yes. yeah, that got delayed. That game that people care about. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk off. more about that next week. Back to the real podcast. Yeah. Cut, Jordan. Cut. That game people care about. What a Adam, you want to talk about Apex? Yes, it's finally getting a ne- uh, new gen upgrade. So PS5 and Xbox Series S and X update. Where while you're listening to this, will be live now along with the the Warriors Collection event. So it brings with it uh, a few bits and pieces. 60 hertz gameplay, HDR, uh, longer draw distances, which for some of the larger maps will be pretty vital. So once you you get to a certain distance in the more open areas, it gets a bit rough, especially if you're a you you're rocking a sniper. Um, and then later down the track, we'll have 120 hertz gameplay and some dual sense features coming in at a later stage but as for right now we have a shiny new version for for current consoles which is pretty great it's something that the the player base has been pretty keen on um something that respawn has not been very shy about saying they're working on and something they just announced out of the blue and said fuck it you can have it tomorrow so good on them very keen nice all right we've nearly hit the two hours so we'll we'll wrap it up uh fuck we're gonna hit two hours jesus christ i know it's one hour and four 40 minutes plus the ad, which probably after 10 minutes. Um, very, very quickly. Uh, did you give, did you guys give any shout outs last week? Yeah, they shouted out Dylan Blight from uh, Explosion Network. 
Well, we should give a big shout out to. Um, oh, and to the new writer. Yes, that, so that was the question. Did you give yes. those shares? You did. Nice. We certainly did. Uh, we did uh, indeed. The cardboard Holly. games. Holly has uh, published her first review on Well Played, so big shout-outs to her. Uh, Gumborg Dark Matters. I'll give you a very, very quick read of the uh, the summary here. Uh, thanks to a neon-soaked art style, pumping synthwave soundtrack and challenging gameplay, Gumborg Dark Matters is a fun and hard-hitting throwback to arcade shooters and the 87.5. You can read the review there. Game looks pretty cool. Um, I'm actually th- thinking about checking it out. So yeah, you can read the review on the website. Another shout out, uh, shout out to Mark Isaacson who's got up a little feature piece on Elden Ring of all things. Uh, I'm not sure if we've spoken about that much tonight, but uh, <laughs> the title is "I Finally Understand Elden Ring and All It Took Was a Little Bit of Magic." Very very good article. Uh, you should go and read that. I want to quickly, very quickly, for thirty seconds, talk about a news piece you probably discussed last week, which was a Plague Tale, the Requiem, the possible release date. Um, I don't believe this was, this is actually a release date. I'd be very surprised. I think it's just a fuck up on Microsoft's part with that date. Cause it is like, it is the last year's date, but it is a fucking strange thing. It's a very strange thing that, that they would have the release date there. Cause if, if you actually go to the Australian Microsoft store, there is no date. It just says 2022. So I think this is just something that's been there. Who the fuck knows when? But uh, I do hope that it comes soon. So that's all on that. Off topics, what have we got for off topics? I'm seeing Morbius tomorrow, so hopefully it doesn't hopefully it's better than Jared Leto's last album. I'll put it that way. <laughs> ah, it's looking like a rough time. I went and saw Batman finally. And uh, it um yeah, it's a whew, it's a three hour movie. Yeah. It is it's very pretty for a movie that's uh, black, white and red all over, eh? And uh, Robert Pattinson kills it. In fact, the cast right across the board is really decent. It's only a shame that I felt like it It was a super strong film. Felt like it fizzled a little bit right at the end there, just sort of as it was building up to its climax. Um, it felt a lot more to me like it was setting up for a more of a, a franchise, perhaps. So, yeah, I like, really like the way it's established its characters, its villains. Um, Zoe Kravitz, we don't see a whole lot of her lately, but she kills this Catwoman, so good time, eh? Yeah. I really liked it. I always forget his name. Um, Jeffrey Wright? Don't know, but he was the butler in Mr. Deeds. Oh, John Totoro. Oh, John Billy Zane. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought, I thought yeah. he was quite good. As, he's he's terrific. Mm. In it. Um, yeah. I just like that they put such a heavy focus on the, like the mob instead of these massive bombastic characters. There was a, it was a very grounded look at the the underbelly of gotham which you don't I, get to see a whole lot i think you'll agree with movies. me it um i saw some parallels or felt like there was some parallels to scott snyder's um batman oh, yeah. from the new 32 so wouldn't be the least bit surprised if we maybe get a quarter of hours movie uh shortly I, following uh, this one because it oh sets up gotham as Jesus. a character and you get that yeah. whole you know the history of arkham as a family and stuff i'm just this is just natural throw it in there yep that, yeah, quarter vowels need to get in there for sure. Oh, my Lord. While we're discussing films, I am really keen to see Ambulance, the new Jake Gyllenhaal film. Uh, the new is, yep. Michael Bay film. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go, let's say, call it the new Jake Gyllenhaal film. I don't, I'm not... Yeah, bro. No, he's good, isn't he? <laughs> we like Jake I lo- Gyllenhaal. I fucking love him, bro. I absolutely yeah. love him. Uh, Michael Bay, not so much, but, you know, 
Could Jay be fun. Blaken. Could Low expectations and all. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those. Just it's a, just a JG. It's he's my boy. You know, <laughs> him and Kate Ward. Prince, my, my Prince of Persia, best film. Are you going to invite uh, him to the podcast next week? Yeah, he he's actually a big fan. Um, he does often tell me that when we're talking about Donnie Darko on the side. Uh, the <laughs> other film that I watched was in no, that was oh, sorry. Just to go back very quickly, Kieran Stockton will have a review coming out by the time this review, uh, this podcast is out. You should give it a read. It is, um, it's it's going to be a journey. Uh, <laughs> That's a segue. <laughs> but anyway, I watched the film Nightmare Alley. Yep. Didn't finish it. Ah oh, shit. Not by choice. <laughs> yeah. Not not by choice. Not not okay. by choice. So we we rented it from Apple, I think. So you get forty eight hours. It's on um, Disney Plus, bro. Is it? Yes. Well, it's fucking awkward, isn't it? <laughs> it's been on Disney Plus for over a month now. The thing is, uh, Zach just loves giving Apple money. Hey. Don't blame me. Blame uh, Anna was in charge of finding the film, but she, I, I, I was like, pick a film that you want to watch. Um, she's like, oh, I can rent this. I was like, okay, cool. Let's do do that. Uh, now I feel like an absolute clown. Because um, I really want to do the old where to stream. Because mm. I really wanted to uh, watch the end of it. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Didn't love it. It uh, definitely defies your expectations. Like what it sets up is not what it delivers. But yeah. I liked it. Yeah, right. Rough. Yeah, rough. <laughs> better than Shape of Water, before. mate? Yes, 100%. Yeah. Easily better. Yeah. Is uh, it better than Crimson Peak? Yeah. And I didn't mind Crimson Peak. Is it better it than Lily like... Zane's The Phantom? Hell no. <laughs> Amazing film. All right. Uh, anybody else got anything for off topics at all? Otherwise, we will wrap it up. Yeah, let's on do it. it. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's... This week, that was real quick. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Well Played DLC podcast. You can check out all the content on www.well-play.com.au. If you want to have smooth balls, treat yourself, you can save 20% off. Go to www.manscape.com. Use the code WELLSHADE. Buy yourself a lawnmower. Get a nose hair trimmer. Buddy, get the works. Get everything. The underwear. Amazing. Mm. 20... Brilliant. Stand by. I bought it. I bought a three pack. So you do I have, a favor. Yeah, I have heard. No, actually, I I can't say that. Actually, that's that that's a claim I cannot make. Redacted. Um, that's it. Zach can't hear. Have a good weekend, everyone. Stay safe. Uh, if you're up, if you're up north and that, hopefully it's not too too bad for you this time around. Um, but yeah, stay safe. Look after yourself. Checking on the the elderlies on on your neighbours, save a and and your balls. save a cut, yeah, and, and your balls. You fondle Check yourself. fondle yourself. You can and if anyone asks, say that Nathan said it was alright. Yeah, mm. code hashtag well fondled. That's, That's a special man in your life. That's mm. it. Worst case, go see a doctor. Don't ask him to shove there. Anyway, have a good weekend, and we'll just say, see you next week. <laughs> Goodbye. What Bye. the fuck is this Looking ending? Forward to it. Ciao. Fuck. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs>